The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Are now recording and this is out now with aaron and abe i am aaron and abe is uh he's not here uh he, there's just there's too much going on in this week's uh commentary track to have to fit abe in unfortunately uh but out now is a film podcast where abe and i normally discuss movies weekly however every now and then we have these special bonus episodes where there's one of our fun commentary tracks so we'll do it different but this is our commentary track for march 2022 and guys this is a, this is a big one. There's, you know, it's it's two. It's 2022, 25 years ago, 1997. There's many films to celebrate. You have Titanic, Goodwill Hunting, L.A. Confidential, Men in Black, Jerry Maguire, George of the Jungle, Contact. We're not talking about any of those though. We're going to talk about instead Batman and Robin, a commentary that's apparently 10 years in the making because we've been doing these uh, 90s era. Batman movies uh, in a weird order. <laughs> we finally got into Batman and Robin in honor, of course, of the Batman, uh, which recently came out. And that's what we're going to do this evening. We're going to finally do our commentary track for Joel Schumacher's camp classic Batman and Robin. And joining me to do such things we have from Wise So Blue and host of the Brandon Peters show. He's the chilling sound of your doom. It's Brandon Peters. To Mr. Abe out there, I know it's Batman and Robin and out now with Aaron and not Abe today. He may treat you like a Jason Todd, but you're a Tim Drake to me, son. <laughs> also joining us from Forbes, it's because of him that this is why Superman works alone. It's Scott Mendelson. There are three rules for this podcast tonight. Truth or courage now, truth always, and family above all else. <laughs> And joining us from Lenoir Artur, he has so many people to kill in so little time. It's Terrence Johnson. I, I don't have a like a, a witty intro like my other co-hosts here, but that um we'll say in theory, I have what Aaron is saying. Okay. <laughs> not, not in reality. Well, Terrence, welcome to this commentary track. We're glad to have you on for, for the first time doing one of these with us. Yeah, after I've after I bullied you <laughs> into letting me do one of these. And you got Batman and Robin. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> that will teach you. <laughs> you, you know, it, it's not hard to get on these. Honestly, <laughs> so it's, this is, I think this is a good movie for you to be on to talk about with us. I, I'm looking forward to hearing all of our thoughts uh, concerning this uh, masterpiece of a superhero film. Um, but that's what we're going to do for the next two hours here. We're going to talk about Batman and Robin. Uh, currently, the four of us all have the film five paused five seconds in. The Warner Brothers logo is right on the screen. So if you plan to listen along uh, and watch along while listening to us talk about the film, stop it right there. On this, I'm going to count down from three eventually. And on the sound to go, press play. And you can listen to us talk all over this movie. And we're going to have lots of things to say. If you're just listening to listen, 
you don't have to do anything. You just have to keep this thing going. I mean, that's 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 easy. So just be prepared for whatever we're going to get down and talk about here on the Batman and Robin commentary track. I don't think there's anything else we need to go over, so we should just get things going. Are you guys ready? Sure. Suit me up, Uncle Aaron. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one, go. At this time, um, to to time capsule this, uh, the current... Um, the Batman sequel will be having Nicolas Cage as Egghead and Dave yeah. Bautista as the KG Beast to cash in on this moment in history, right? KG Beast. Oh my God. <laughs> so the the logo just morphed into an icy Batman yeah. logo right here. I remember all this. I saw this movie. We're, we usually go over, Terrence, how we first saw this movie. Uh-huh. Um, I I assume it's all, all of us saw it in theaters. I saw this movie in theaters. Opening weekend. Open, opening weekend, opening night, as I, as I generally do. Uh, with my with my mom because I was seeing all the Batman movies with my mom at that point because um, we both really, really like Batman. This is a time where I'm young enough where it's like I liked Batman forever. It was super fun. Like wh- why wouldn't I? I'm a kid. That movie came out. It's fun. It's colorful. This movie happened. I'm not going to say I hated it. I'm not going to say <laughs> I love. I'm not going to say I loved it. But it certainly felt like you know preteen Aaron was like. Something's different about this one. Like, there's this. this oh like, my gosh! There's something that's that's not like not big on not big on what's going on. But I'm not. I don't know if I dislike this. It's just something seems off. Before I keep going, before you guys go, we need to talk about what's happening right now because it's the montage of varying parts of the bat costume getting extreme close-ups. Hmm? I don't remember this movie at all. So, like, what a delight this intro is. <laughs> You don't get stuff like this nowadays. Yeah, not as in intense detail as you just got there with the with the smash the smash zooms and everything. Look, color. Yeah, there's a lot. There's, there's going to be lots of color. Fun fact: I use this movie to set up any new televisions. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. For just I, that reason, it's colorful I, as hell. I'll say this: like I have said this before, probably on these podcasts, but I this this and its predecessor, Batman Forever, I think are two great ways to introduce kids to Batman for a kid <laughs> for a kid to go from like a cartoon character or something to see something live action these are pretty great ent- entry points and they they'll love them like honestly they're kids so they won't know any better about this they'll just be swimming in a Batman world for a while well, Brandon let's jump to you what <laughs> when did you first see Batman and Robin all right I saw opening weekend it was always an event for my family to go it was Batman and they're like, you want to take a friend with you to Batman? All right, whatever. We're, we're going to Batman. It's like if, if it was one of the few things like my parents would be like pumped to go see. But everybody before this movie came out, there was everybody knew there's something. It was not going to be good. But I think everybody was hoping, well, who knows? Um, well, why? Why? Why is that the natural the wor- assumption? There was a there was just a vibe or something out that this movie was bad news. Um, the trailer was silly um Clooney was our it was our like okay what's this um Alfred's got jokes but he'll <laughs> <laughs> cancel the pizzas <laughs> and a, and McGregor's yes jokes yeah, he's McGregor's. got jokes that he's also slowly dying uh I, I I don't know what it was maybe the trailer wasn't solid but there were there was reviews word out that, that this was I kind of like historically bad I saw it when I first saw it I was like I was into story points of things uh and 
I don't know. Um, Robin's not a character that bothered me too much. And I was I was into the Alicia Silverstone thing at the time, the Aerosmith videos, all that. So I was happy to see her. And I thought Uma, I still to this day think Uma Thurman's terrific in this movie. Um, I was very, very disappointed in Bane in this movie because I was very into the Nightfall or was it Nightfall? Yeah, that that storyline was when I was knee deep in Batman comics. Um and yeah, they they did him wrong. He was almost like a well, the kids like him now, so try to fit him in here, please. Kind of thing. We'll keep this going, but before we do that, we've got our introduction to Mister Freeze here, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's I think only in close-up shots. Like anything that's not a shot of his face, it's not him because uh, he he was like, going to have like heart surgery like right after this mm. movie. Like he had a lot of kinds of things going on. Oh, jeez! And, and plus, it's like. You know, it's a big, heavy costume. Arnold doesn't want to yeah. walk around doing this Mr. Freeze stuff all the time. Uh, what What's the logic of this sequence right here where he wants to get one thing, right? Which is that diamond. Yep. Why is he frozen the entire museum and like hung around and like boxing up guards and like having this whole like ice rink thing going on? I think they call that a flex, Aaron. He's a showman. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing about the villains in this movie is is the showmanship above all else. Well, it's a good thing that dinosaur statue is right above the, uh, the rebel. He's, of the new. He's been there. in the museum before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he cleaned up three robberies. It's him sliding down. But yeah. <laughs> we have the bat skates on. Um, no, I, I think, you know, the whole, you know, this movie in a nutshell is excess, you know, because you can. And oh, sorry, like the cat on my TV. Um, That's the wrong movie. <laughs> and you know it's 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 to get to Aaron's or to, to, to Brandon's point. I mean, the first trailer for this was a it emphasized all of the ways in which this film was campy and goofy and not taking itself or the character seriously, and was don't worry, gang, this Batman's for kids. Now I was still a seventeen-year-old idiot that thought darkness and violence was inherently cooler and more mature, so I was absolutely you know up to a point one of the mouth breathers in terms of the pre-release reaction to this picture. That's you. You were all like, "Spawn's going to rule. This is going to suck." That's what you were saying, Scott. Uh, no, I think I was smart enough to put my faith in Face Off and contact an Air Force One. A young Scott um, Mendelson and Harry Knowles set out to take this down. <laughs> but we both failed. Ninety-seven. We both failed, contrary to popular belief, and without getting too into the you know big ideas of you know, this film, there was a big perception after it tanked that it had that the you know the, the online fan nerds were responsible, both in terms of blame and in terms of credit. Which is unfortunate because that's when you first started seeing very slowly Hollywood trying to do sort of the whole well, we need to make the fans happy above all else. We need to, you know, play to the specific demographic of, you know, nerdy film geeks. And obviously, you know, 25 years later, that's you know, it's 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 that's the dominating goal of IP specific cinema. The bad ice skates just came out. So, and the problem with that is the film opened with the fifth, sixth biggest opening weekend of all time. People showed up. They just didn't like it. It got a C plus from Cinema Score, and it dropped by a whopping huge, especially back then, sixty four percent. Cinema pretty, Score was around in the nineties. Yeah. It was. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jeez. Uh, for comparison, Batman Returns, which also had a certain post release controversy for 
the exact opposite reasons. It was very dark and macabre and sexual and violent. That film got a B from CinemaScore, which was considered, uh-oh, this isn't, you know, it's, there was, the perception was then and now that, you know, a big splashy blockbuster movie, anything under like a B plus is trouble because you're dealing with people that genuinely want to see it and made a concerted effort to, you know, go see it and were probably predisposed to like it. Yeah. So for a film like this, regardless of the online nerdery, uh, or even regardless of the reviews, to get a C plus from paying audiences, again, it was word of mouth that killed the beast. Scott, is there anything special about you first seeing this movie? I did not see it on opening weekend. Uh, oh. I saw my best friend's wedding instead. I saw this on the second Friday of the triple feature, along with this, Hercules, and Face Off. We applaud so- your bravery. Oh my God. <laughs> That's oh, I, I did that was, the whole time. It was a big summer. There was a lot going on that summer. Mm-hmm. Gattaca oh, was that summer. I can't yeah. imagine. Yep. Um, and when I finally saw it, I mean, obviously I knew the stuff that I wasn't going to like ahead of time. But unfortunately, the middle act of this movie is pretty dull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this sequence is ridiculous, bonkers, bananas. Everything a you know a six year old could want in a comic book superhero movie, and especially in retrospect, it's kind of awesome. And oh, this is all fun. That, this, is, this is all good stuff. Oh, I mean, this is amazing. Well, Scott, we'll talk. We'll talk about the rest of the movie. I, yeah, get, yeah. I get what you're saying. I mean, but you're not wrong. I mean, I yeah, especially now where you can really focus on this as someone that's more learned. Yeah. There's you there's plenty to admire in this stuff where my issue is never really the campiness is like, well, that's just the style of the movie. It's yeah. the fact that it just kind of gets really dull in the middle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it sad. blows its wad pretty early. It could have been less harmful had it been like a tighter hundred minutes rather than heading over the two hour range that or just can, or had a constant level of silliness. Yes. Uh, like where, which yeah. I think, which I think forever accomplishes. I think forever is a better movie just because it's, consistently silly as opposed to this where it's has big silly moments and in between it's like okay there's other stuff well it's also borrowing the exact same beats and almost oh yeah structure from the previous one but you know it's a lazily doing so yeah it's yeah okay Um, well let's get to terrence terrence when did you first see batman and robin i think i saw this opening weekend at the century 10 in panol um which is where I saw every movie mm-hmm. uh, growing up. Um, and I, I, I'm not a Batman fan, right? Let me, let me state that for the, for the, for the record. So people will understand what my, <laughs> I loved this movie when I saw it. Mm-hmm. It was so ridiculous and over the top. Now, did I have some issues with it? Yes, <laughs> but it was so ridiculous and over the top. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Like these are, these are dudes flying around in capes. You know, it. I thoroughly enjoyed it as a youth. I enjoy it now because I can appreciate really sort of like the extreme camp sensibilities. Um, and it's got two really good villain performances. Um, you know, different than sort of what we're used to now. I think John Glover's underappreciated too, yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> like look at this man jumping out of this thing with these ice <laughs> with these wings. Like come on, like I yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I people, people act like comic books don't do these things. Uh, yeah, like, exactly. you know, it's, it's funny. <laughs> 
I forgot this secondary plan where, oh, he's stealing a diamond. Also, he might blow up the entire city with this thing right now. <laughs> we're, 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 we're on countdown to Cowabunga here. It's a big night for Mr. Freeze, apparently. <laughs> for a long time. I mean, this is the yeah. end of most movies, you know? Like, this, no, this, this is, a, this is the opening. Bond opening. This is the Bond yeah. opening right here. It's That's a Bond opening, but I mean, like, a lot of movies, this is the end. Like, oh, yeah. This is the end of the first Batman, in, like, like three times the scale. As yeah. That's what's happening. It's a good thing that there's multiple escape hatches, and they're in the shape of surfboards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really I, worked out. Oh, my God. He <laughs> <laughs> had a bat bomb, too. That was good. Here we go. It's go. coming! It's coming! No, say it already? He's gonna say it in a second. Say, oh yeah, right here. He's gonna say it. Yeah. It's coming. We can't hear him say it. But these are special effects, by the way. There's CG uh, mm-hmm. Batman right now. Is it CG or is it is it, is it uh, just like uh, no? These the CG. I'm sure it's a mix and match. The when they first came out, it was. Here it yeah. is. Here it is. Come on, subtitle. Don't let me down. Yeah. Like, first, you gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> That's CG. <laughs> there we go. There he is. Yeah, he, 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 gets, he does a mute grab, and then he says Calabunga. That's definitely not Arnold. Uh, you can very much tell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing, I mean, as we're talking about this, look at this stuff. Like, I mean, yeah. it's already, it already comes out in Batman Forever, but, like, it only goes even further as far as Joel Schumacher's production design, design decisions and the people he was working with, because you get this this ludicrous version of Gotham, but it's entirely stylized and not like anything I've seen before or since really. Well, and that's something I've always admired about his vision for this. It's a weird thing. Cause it's a piggyback off of Burton's to another, like, I don't think Joel Schumacher comes up with this idea without Burton's. Sure. So it's interesting to see, like, I would never create something like this, but here's what I do with it. If I, if I got my hands on it and, and we see that <laughs> yeah. it's really, nifty um well it's 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 weird because like it not weird but it's joel schumacher's coming on board to this franchise and it's like i don't know batman what do i do well burton's done this so just naturally extend off of that right and there's the comics there it's not not that comic accuracy is something that's like necessary but at the same time it's like there are comics that are like this specifically there's like the 40s era and 60s mm-hmm. era batman comics that reflect these kind of sensibilities like mm-hmm. it's you know, for all the shit that Schumacher and everybody gets for this movie, it's like, it's not like he just pulled this out of nowhere. Like, yeah. it's rooted in stuff that happens. Well, and I, I will say, like, Chris O'Donnell and a lot of the people who worked on this have said that, you know, the f- first time around, we felt like we were making a movie. And then with Batman and Robin, we felt like we were making a toy commercial. That was part of the thing, which is also not where, wrong. Where, I, mean, yeah. I mean, not wrong. The, the studio heads got what they want. They, they pushed out Burton got a big hit in forever and then completely took over, but they still let, I mean, to a degree, Schumacher's probably just throw this in there, put this vehicle in there, put this costume on, you know, that's probably where that is, but he's allowed to have a vision and voice through this. I mean, this has his styles, his flair, um, and, and attitude, but <laughs> that model of <laughs> Defrosting this man. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like how freezing him made it easier for him to carry over to the thing right now. Right. He had bad yeah. strength. He had bad strength mm-hmm. because as we all know, ice cubes, <laughs> ice cube people, uh easy to take on. Yeah. This That's is a, 
That's a fun map painting. The introduction of John Glover to DC, which he will like go on to voice like a ton of cartoon characters and then uh, beat Smallville as Lionel Luther. Like he is a DC well, machine. Technically, he was voicing the Riddler in Batman the Emmett series. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. Uh, that's right. That's right. That's true. So he was he is on the, the payroll speed dial. And he is, you know, maybe by virtue of just being an incredibly experienced character actor is absolutely on the exact correct wavelength in his brief screen time. Mm-hmm. It's where it's where they toned it down for this movie. But I mean yeah. it's, it's, it's the job done. Not since Chris Walken of You to a Kill. No. Um I like and this, honestly, I, so is she. I, She's I, exactly what this film needs. Oh yeah, she mm-hmm. mad Uma Thurman matches the movie. The, no yeah. question. <laughs> I think my issue with Schwarzenegger has always been a, I, just, I don't enjoy the character that he's doing. It seems like he came on set, got $25 million for six weeks' work, and basically nobody was telling him no at any point in time. Right. And the performance feels like somebody doing a bad spoof of what a stereotypical Schwarzenegger comedic performance is like. I mean, he is a good actor when he's properly directed. We know that. I think a version of that character with maybe a third less dialogue would probably go a long way because he just talks all the friggin' time. Yeah. And well, none of what he says is particularly funny. I, you know, while he is a gigantic get for like, there's no bigger star yeah. to put in a Batman movie at this point. Like, this is his first build. I, yeah. I, you know, yeah, I, that I was crazy. I don't think he's what anybody wanted for Mr. No. Free. Like, it was, I believe Patrick Stewart was. Well, here, I, I have that list right here for the you. The fan but... desired one. Patrick Stewart was always the fan cast because every bald comic book <laughs> character is Patrick Stewart. That's, that's yes. their thing. That's why he's also wheels. I mean, so who was the list? Right. I have it right here. It is Ed Harris, Patrick okay. Stewart, Christopher Lloyd was pursued. Uh, <laughs> Stallone, which I think they just offer him and Arnold everything together, so that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Anthony Hopkins was also considered. Um, you know, yeah. Ed Harris would be perfect, like to bring the Batman the Animated Series one to life. Like that's yeah, could see yeah. that working yeah. tremendously. <laughs> I'll also say, according to Schumacher, Hulk Hogan was his third choice. Oh God. <laughs> I don't know if that's either Schumacher or Hulk Hogan saying that, but one of them was like, you know what, freeze. Um. And I don't know, I, I, you know, obviously what's done is done, but I do wonder what this film would have been like with, honestly, any actor that was giving a a performance, all due mm-hmm. respect, because what, what Schwarzenegger is doing here is a vaudeville act, frankly. He is, but I mean, I, I, if anything, it just contrasts even more with the tone of this movie. I'm yes. not saying that makes him good in it by default, but I do think just by having someone more serious or what taking a more nuanced approach to this Mr. Freeze role, I, you know, the rest of the movie is still the rest of the movie. Maybe yeah. count, maybe it balances out, but I, I mean, it seems like the kind of thing where Warner brothers is happy with, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is here. He's being big Arnold. And because Joel Schumacher's, you know, he's not, he doesn't seem like the director that's going to say, calm it down, please. Um, <laughs> I, 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 and he, yeah. And the, this version of freeze is not, you know, he's not the animated series version, which is, you know, it's a tragic story with layers and there's an emotional depth or whatnot. This approximates that for the sake of the toy commercial that they're making. Yeah. And it's, it is what it is. I mean, basically. It's, <laughs> what's shocking is that, especially in retrospect, it's noticeably more campy, Mr. Freeze, than the animated or the, the, the Adam West versions. Right. Uh-huh. There's a couple different actors that played that role. And one of them, I think Otto Preminger. Otto Preminger. Yeah. He's deadly Eli serious. Wallace. Yeah. He's probably one of the more serious. Eli Wallace, on yeah, that yeah. show. 
Yeah. I, I will I will say though, in terms of like having the villain pair ups and their contrast, or, you know, th- this is better than Batman Forever because yeah. at least Tommy, you know, you, Uma isn't trying to match Arnold scene for scene like Tommy Lee Jones is I agree. trying yeah. you know, with Jim Carrey, which he gets way off his character. I don't disagree because, yeah, I don't think I, as much as I like Two-Face, I don't like what Tommy Lee Jones is doing with mm-hmm. Two-Face. <laughs> at the <laughs> at the same time, I mean, I, I, you know, they're active in that movie where Arnold, as I've said, he's not really in this. Like, he's, he's shooting his sides and that's it. And maybe, yeah. maybe if there was a more, honestly, if there's like a junior era Arnold... <laughs> Like a 1994 Arnold, who's maybe mm-hmm. a little bit healthier, a little bit more active. Maybe that works better for this. Maybe he's able to invest more in what this thing is supposed to be. But, you know, if a guy that's just there to basically say, you know, say one liners, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, and he's not, I don't think he's looking at Batman Ron being like, this is a whole new phase of my career. I think he's just sitting there being like, I'll just say the lines and I get the money, you know, I'll try and smoke a cigar with Jesse Ventura offset. Like, <laughs> the way I forgot about how silly. Oh yeah, this him is pu- him putting these chemicals on her was. Uh, it's very Catwoman to an extent. To a pile of plants and snakes, and you know, it's comic book stuff. That magic, that, you know that yeah. we used to allow that stuff to happen. We'd be like, oh yeah, I'm watching fiction, cool, and yeah. not like, well, how does it really happen if she did? <laughs> like, um, I mean, I'm not the one that got mad at Jamie Foxx getting bit by a bunch of electric eels and turning into electro. It's like no, that, just, that just makes sense. Oh, that God, just makes sense please. to me, guys. How else would that now, happen? That was yeah. dumb as hell. You got to be careful where yeah. you fall. Um, here's there's the here's the subtle Arnold performance right here. The flashback video to what mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, but then, but you can watch where he becomes bad in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> you can literally see it on this footage because right now it's like. <laughs> It's like, oh, Pat, hmm, my wife. Oh, I mean, uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love this is what a this, ah. this computer interface is just this is a blessing to watch. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is old Apple, right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's like a real, real throwback. Mm-hmm. I like that they had this security footage that also happened to have lots of coverage of that room. <laughs> Well, you know, this now this is a a very interesting trend with Batman loves giving security footage or footage he's not supposed to have of other people and revealing it in the most basic of ways. <laughs> they did that in Batman versus Superman whenever when the Justice League was revealed, you know, on real media player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and his Batcave where he had that double dream sequence. Yeah. <laughs> so this this is a, what a fun what a fun nod. So we got we have Clooney here. First time we're seeing like them unmasked. We got, so we got we got Clooney now as Batman, looking like you know sweet nineties Clooney. Mm-hmm. Um, he's coming in because Val Kilmer says that he wanted you know the schedule the saint and whatnot, but more because Val Kilmer's like I don't want to fucking do this again. Um, <laughs> so he so he leaves uh, before Clooney gets on. They have William Baldwin um, in mind. Uh, because Billy Baldwin was, I guess, super hot at the time. And they're like, we got to get that Billy Baldwin. He's, oh, yeah, yeah. We missed Alec back in the 80s. Yeah, so we missed Alec. Exactly. Chance. We missed Alec. Let's get the other one that looks kind of like him. Well, um, and then that From Dust Till Dawn poster came by Joel Schumacher's desk. Yeah. And he drew did. a Batman yeah. cowl on it and history. Yeah. The other one, the other one though, David Duchovny. They had David Duchovny in mind also. Oh, whoa. That would have been fascinating. <laughs> I, I, that would have been fascinating. That, 
That's in the Keaton wheelhouse, though. I, I yeah. Yeah. Um, Clooney, though, you got it. Like everybody gives him shit, but he was literally walking off the set of ER, filming this movie, going back to ER, walking out like he was work. Like he's probably not well, sleeping. He's also a great Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I, mean, I yeah. find no fault whatsoever in his Bruce Wayne here. Yeah. It's just there's um, no change. There's no change for Bruce Wayne to Batman. That's yeah. At the well, at this point, especially like, like you said, we'll probably get on this later. But Scott, you said many times like the this is a very like settled healthy. Bruce Wayne. Yeah, a healthy yeah. one that's at he's, this point is not concerned himself with the burden of his parents, but is more about the family that he's been creating in all these years. Yes. You know, by the end of Batman Forever, he has come to terms with the guilt and anger over his parents' death. And he realizes, spoiler, that he is Bruce Bruce Wayne and Batman, not because he has to be, but because he chooses to be. <laughs> so by the time we get to this film, he is literally doing it as, you know, for fun. Not for fun, but I mean, it's not something that, you know, as a, he's, he's doing yeah. it as torturing a, himself. He's doing it as a duty, not because yeah. he heard a Nirvana song how, and was like, you know what? How, I should old yeah. was, how old was Chris O'Donnell when he played Robin? 24. 14 uh, 36 it was I mean, 20 it was 24 he looks, batman yeah he's he's a he's a big robin <laughs> like, he's, i was he's, i was pumped when he got cast as right i liked it it was that he was in that three musketeers movie uh yeah back then and i i was like he was a cool young cat to have his robin granted like he, like what was it, it was marlon wayans and then warner brothers like you can't do that. Get out yeah. of here, Tim Burton. Get out of here. <laughs> that was that was um, way too early for them. <laughs> I, I mean, he got they fitted him for costumes. I mean, it's like, you know, he got fairly far along. It felt like more of a, a rejection of Burton. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think had Burton come back and, you know. I mean, they already, they already, gave, Billy, they already gave him Billy D. Williams for Harvey Dead's. I mean, yeah. yeah. And then paid Billy D not to come back. So there's, yeah. Do you think she just knows that her lips are poisoned? Is like, oh, I, I think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's like, she's saying she's what it is, but it's just she woke up. And he's like, oh, I feel different. I wonder if my lips are poisoned. I don't know. Like, it's just <laughs> he knew. And I think he knew too. He just, you know, there are worse ways to go. I love I, I, every there. single choice that Emma Thurman makes. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's. <laughs> And, you know, as usual, unfortunately, the women in this film got dinged far worse than the men. You know, with Silverstone yeah. and Thurman, who really took career hits from this picture, but especially it, Silverstone. Here's the, yeah. Silverstone's oh. not great in this, but you take the damn part. You take the damn role. Like, yeah, people exactly. are like she should, I'm like, no. Even you when take, I was a kid, I knew that. It was the biggest movie, like blockbuster movie series, like around. You're taking the role. Yeah. Like, I don't care if it works for me. I, I You say yes. Like. Like if they offered it to like me, I'd be like, "Yep, I'll, 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 I'll try, I'll try." But I'm gonna be in that Batman movie. Um, What's fun about Thurman is that like even before she becomes Poison Ivy, she's already like playing this role big. Like she's mm -hmm. already playing, she's playing Pamela Isley big. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, and she she uh, she's genuinely good in this picture. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to talk about you know, oh I think God. Schwarzenegger is the only one that's genuinely bad in this picture. I, I don't think Silverstone's great, but I think she gets the job done. I think O'Donnell is okay, I guess. But again, it's 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 this was before you walked into a movie like this or The Shadow or The Phantom, expecting you know Oscar caliber performances. And sometimes we got one, 
um, you know, Batman Returns for the obvious example, or Dick Tracy, which was nominated for an Oscar, but multiple you Oscars. Know, yes, I mean, Pacino specifically. Yeah. Um, but again, I think honestly, not to you know, be a broken record, I think Schwarzenegger is the only one that really is bad. But because he's so ever present, both in terms of his larger than life persona and the sheer amount of dialogue that he takes up. And the fact that every a lot of other, especially the the smaller bit players, seem to be, you know, taking his cues. I think it it almost single handedly sinks the movie. I'm not saying this would have been a masterpiece with like you know uh, you know Patrick Stewart or anything, but it's it's what doesn't work about Batman and Robin is cannot be separated from the ridiculously over-the-top, in a bad way, work that Schwarzenegger is doing. Do you think there's a way that this works if it's not Mr. Freeze, if he's playing some other villain that just... What if he's Bane? Because he's such a... Wait, 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 yeah, Terrence, how about say that again? Yeah, like, what if he was Bane? I think that would be interesting. And and he played it like Bane, where he has a level of intellect, and then he's... Not just, but I mean, I guess I'm still asking. That's a, like, that's a much darker movie than they're going for. If it is, yeah. Yeah. and that's. But yeah. I guess I'm asking if he's giving the same performance, but as a different character. I mean, I wonder if there's. I don't know because it's Mister Freeze, where it's it's this weird zone where the animated series has done a such a good job of moving it away from the fact that this is a man that freezes people and he's called Mister Freeze to making mm-hmm. it something more serious. Where this movie's like. This is a guy named Mr. Freeze that freezes people. Like, how seriously you're supposed to take it? But I mean, you're not wrong, Scott. As far as there, it's not like Schwarzenegger is incapable of giving a fine comedic performance. He's done yeah. that multiple I just, times. I didn't think he was in a situation where either he was directed to or he chose to give in to all of his worst instincts, and nobody just said no because you didn't have an Ivan Reitman or a Paul Verhoeven or a James Cameron to do the work. The uh, woman playing Nora Freeze. Uh, George Clooney was dating during this time, mm-hmm. um, and I be- and I believe oh, she also course. and she also went out with John Peters, who of course is a producer <laughs> at the same time. Not at the same time, but like oh. licorice one- pizzas, John Peters. Licorice pizzas, John Peters. Yes, uh, <laughs> Kevin Smith's Peters. night at whatever's John Peters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the tragedy of of Alicia Silverstone. She was a star for exactly two years. She comes out with Clueless, which is a huge smash, and she's considered the next big thing. This is after building up some credits before. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like the crush in the Aerosmith videos and what have you. Um, and then this is, I think, her next movie after that. It comes out and it bombs, and she frankly takes a lot of the blame. Even before that, you know, some of the less than polite discourse was calling her fat girl because for whatever reason there were shots of the trailer where she looked. You know, sort of the camera adds ten pounds kind of deal. Well, she reportedly she like gained some weight um, that which came out in the press and like it affected like how the costume was fitted for her. And then because Fair. that's that's how the press wants to be. They're like, let's highlight this only and make yeah, fun of the it. Nineties. Did you see that? Like a couple of weeks ago, there somebody was doing like a thread of like all of the actresses in the in the interviews from like the nineties and the early aughts, and it is just oh yeah, mess. Every single interview that these actresses were doing or the publications that they were talking to were bad. Even like really respected actresses. So I can't imagine, you know. It's never about the film they're in or the work they're doing. No, and, you know, I'm not going to defend the Ain't It Cool News era, but 
when I, you know, as someone who read that stuff, just because I was young, I was interested in it, whatever. There wasn't much it around. Wasn't that, so well, we no, it wasn't, yeah. What I mean is that, you know, the level of lechery wasn't that much worse than what you were getting in the mainstream press. It was just slightly subtler about it. Um, Cause yeah, it was awful. I mean, it's, 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 so anyway, Batman and Robin comes out, it flops. She kind of sort of gets the blame. She comes out with excess baggage, which is same a, year. a nor yeah. Like months later, a normal, regular, whatever star vehicle that nobody which, shows up to, which also boom, she, she's done, which she was like a producer on also. And it got, yeah. and it got bad reviews. Yeah. And bombed. So, I mean, yeah, it, yeah. It, and, and you're not, and you're not she's wrong. Done. Yeah. There's, there's blast from the past a couple years later, which was already her comeback movie. Yeah. yeah. And, but then after that, like there's nothing she here. She shows up on a like, TV show that gets canned after like a year, right? Yeah. yeah Miss Mass or something, which like was that? supposed to be her yeah. comeback project. And there is, there's like just bit parts and stuff here and there, but it, yeah, it's like, you're, it's not, you're not wrong. Like it's yeah, yeah. literally like, I this mean, is the end of the after career. blast from the past. Pretty much everything she does is sort of gimmick casting. Like, Oh, look, it's Alicia Silverstone. Cool. She was in one of the oh. recent Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies. I know that. I did not Babysitter's know that. Club. She was terrific wanted- in the Babysitter's Club. That's the first one of the first times I've seen her where she actually looked happy to be there. She was miserable in that Valley Girl remake from a few years ago. Um. Anyway, I'm going on one main, minor point. Um. Michael Guff is terrific in this picture. He's the you best. Know, he's the, he and Uma Thurman are probably the best things in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, and his <laughs> scenes with with Clooney obviously elevate the picture. And that's what you know. In an ideal world, that's what this movie's about. You know, it's it's you know, as I've said a few times here and there over the years, it's about you know an orphan who comes to turn with the death of his of parents and sort of finds himself like an accidental surrogate father for this found family, and has to figure out how to be a dad. While his his own surrogate father is on the cusp of death, and that is a compelling story. It that is. It's a it's on, a good on paper. Story. There's good yeah. stuff. Like I, I think there's there's kind of a mi- uh, misconstrued thing where there's the this is starting to turn into the Batman Robin is good actually, and I think that's people taking it the wrong way. It's no, there's good things that can be said about Batman and yeah. Robin, despite. It, I would say. In the general enjoyable. outsider wheelhouse type thing, it's 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 a better movie than its than its reputation as like the worst yes. movie ever. Um, and there are good there are positives from it, and I think it's okay to highlight positives from bad movies. I don't understand why it has to get shut down the minute people are like, you know what I did like about the no shut up, it has to remain bad. It's like they're not going to go do this. There's, there's well, I, I've always joked that the sign of becoming an adult is when you realize that Batman and Robin is just a bad movie and not a war crime. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it didn't ruin like they people knew right away. I mean, this, get, this, hold on, this Bane thing right here where he's a valet and he's wearing <laughs> a, coat and, a coat and a hat to blend in. <laughs> I, I, As someone that hated Bane in the comics because he Quite frankly, pardon the expression, I thought he was a Mary Sue, Gary Stu type character. I, I thought this was hysterical. They basically just made him an, an idiot. <laughs> now, if you like Bane, I'm sorry, you'll eventually get the Dark Knight Rises. Um, I, I, one thing here too, like, it was weird the stigma this week because what Blade comes next year. So mm-hmm. comic book movies are fine. Then Blade, then X Men. 
Oh, it's, uh, a, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a black superhero renaissance right here. It's right. steel, spawn, blade, all of those. All Men in black, classics. black mask, black, black <laughs> So you're saying Black Panther wouldn't first? Yeah. <laughs> um, but Marvel changes narratives. What? Um, well, I, <laughs> the grim truth is that Spider Man and X Men were so so big that I would realize is wait, we should make these for white people now, right? Uh. So this movie, like when Batman Begins comes out, do you remember the conversations people were having that were so afraid from this movie that they couldn't trust something completely different from a wholly different wheelhouse? Like, oh, "Oh, here we go again. The very idea of a reboot, at least in the terms of mainstream discourse, was was relatively foreign. It wasn't the first reboot. I'd say, you know, either Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves or Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes is probably the first, quote unquote, modern reboot. But Apes makes more sense as Robin Hood's like. Yeah. Just, I agree. Versions all the time. William Babidi and I debate about that all the time. So I'm just well, he's wrong. The so there you go. Fair <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, back when Batman Begins came out, there were reviews by critics you think would know better that thought that it was a prequel to Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so that's sort of where the mindset was back then. Yeah. Uh, real quick, we got to point out Gossip Gertie, who is played yep. by Bob Bob Kane's wife, right? Yes. And Bob Kane is still alive here. He dies like right after this movie comes out. This movie killed him. Very sad. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> and also, you have you have um, you have Elle McPherson here yep. uh, playing uh, Julie Madison, who's a who's, yes. a, comic, who's a comic book character. She's, she was his best. first girlfriend in the in the very 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 first comics. Yeah. All the um, women have color in this scene, by the way. All of them are dressed mm-hmm. in something. Everyone else is in bland suits. All the women that like stand out for like they put them in actual costumes. Yeah. And this one's kind of early in terms of having the villain with the pretty with a sympathetic motive. Um well, uh, I mean, a, a trend, a trend that I wish would stop. Um well a trend that I think backfired over the last 20 years, but I mean, whatever. Penguin was thrown in the the in the, in the river by Pee Wee Herman. So I mean <laughs> <laughs> But he wasn't trying to do something good. Theoretically, she's trying to save the environment. He was trying to save all those poor parents from their children by murdering them. You're right. <laughs> I should have voted for Penguin, damn it. <laughs> penguin was right. <laughs> Hashtag. Um Gossip Gertie eating the scenery, by the way. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, it's everything about this. Just this wig is yeah. killing me. <laughs> killing me. But it's Uma Thurman in glasses, so it's still hot. Very important. Um, How does that this rain, the rainforest ball is happening to that. It's, it's the font on the, on the car that is the most amazing thing. It's, it's very word art. I like that there's, it's a special appearance by Batman and Robin, but for one thing, it's like, these are guys are supposed to solve crime, right? But whatever. But also, yeah. I guess they, like, did they call them? <laughs> I feel like, guys, are you going to show up to the ball tonight? <laughs> you get to Gordon, and Gordon's like, Batman, by the way, once you finish up this jewelry, <laughs> we got to talk about this ball. Hey, look, Poison to. Ivy's Twitter now. <laughs> Batman it's and like- Robin, the warm-blooded oppressors of the status quo. <laughs> It's like Peter Parker getting all of those amazing pictures of Spider-Man. You know, he just yeah. knows them. <laughs> yeah, he's, here's more Ar- here's our more Arnold Good footage, by the way. <laughs> this is some really fascinating makeup for this 
Hey, George, I'm eating cake with your wife. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's, it's delicious. Your girlfriend. I, I'm sure it was not easy. It took no, hours it, probably and probably yeah. stre- also stressful on him to do this. Uh, yeah. And the, the, I mean, the produ- every aspect of this production is awesome, including these really cool freezing effects. Mm-hmm. Because the work is there. Yeah. You, you even, yeah. And you're not wrong. The visual effects. Despite this being the only Batman movie of who's this era not, this to, not to be nominated for an Oscar. Who's, who's the cameraman on the home video footage? DeVito, of course. Oh, okay. Um, but, <laughs> but no, like all... Like, you called up Cameron for a favor. I mean, the costume, what are you doing tomorrow? Terrence. It's That's Roman I mean, Bridger. Yeah. All of, yeah, like, I, I definitely agree. Like, the production is top notch for the, the time period. The money uh, is there. You see yeah, it. It's definitely on screen. Uh, depending on who you ask, this might have cost 125, or it might have cost almost as much as Waterworld's last Titanic. Ah, 125, dollars, dollars. Yeah, yeah. but it's bad. It's it's, I mean, it's a it's, lot, but you know, Batman Bat- Forever cost 100. So, but Batman and Bond are the biggest things going at yeah. this point. And so. James Cameron movies, and James yeah. Cameron movies, of course. Yeah, and you know, regardless of which budgetary figure is true, the money's on the screen. Yeah, you see it. All. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. It, it, but that's what I've always noticed when it comes to like, I always go back to Superman Returns because I know some of that is because we developed other Superman movies, but it's like we still look so ugly and green. And I look at these other movies are like, these look great. Like the yeah. money's all here. Mm-hmm. You, oh. you didn't have to. You didn't have to drag. I, I didn't have to, like that. <laughs> hey, give me oh, give, once you, right. when, when you give me a better <laughs> Superman movie, I won't drag it. <laughs> you didn't have to do that. Um, it's, not, it's not like I, I took out Brandon Routh and shot him. I just don't like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you, not. He's a nice guy. Yeah. We like him. Great. Yeah, I met him. Yeah, um, he's a very nice dude. <laughs> Gossip Gertie, right at the front of the party, by the way. Of course. <laughs> and I, 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 do, I do question the wisdom of Batman and Robin holding the giant gala to, to bait a guy that they know broke the last time he committed a crime, just froze everyone that was there for shits and giggles. He's got his bat heaters. Mm, it looks risky. warm in there, though, you know. And, the, and Commissioner Gordon apparently brought the heart of the ocean, so we have that. Oh, this, <laughs> I love this one guy in here that goes nuts, like in his bid. Oh, All right, here we go. Oh yeah, this guy. Oh, lovely Magnolia. It's Sam Elliott's cousin. <laughs> I guess you they can buy get the, those uh, polar bear slippers. Back. By the way, oh, okay. what? That's what I've been Googling in the background. Mr. Freeze polar bear slippers. Oh, the slippers, good. Good to know. They're like, they're like $30 at Walmart. Something what like other movie can you get where there's an erotic gorilla dance? I know. No, King Kong. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or some other kaiju movie that you know about that I don't. But generally speaking, the answer is none. I mean, on this scale, sure. <laughs> you, you you win this round, Scott. <laughs> yeah, this is there's a lot. This takes the cake. I do like that Joel Schumacher directs extras. Like very clearly, he's like, okay, everybody react this way or that way. And there's always like you just mentioned, Brandon. There's always like one that goes extra over the top. Mm-hmm. Like this like was it, the inspiration for that scene in t- uh, Titan or Titan yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the on the fire truck. I no doubt. I'm sure. Uh, uh, Tacoma was like, you remember, you remember who was dancing her way through Batman and Robin? That's what I want you to do in this opening <laughs> sequence. In one of the more redundant moments in cinematic history, Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy 
blows a bunch of pheromone dust at men so they'll fall in love with her. There's what? a number of choices for Ivy as well, obviously. Uh, Julia Roberts is on the table. Okay. That yeah. was her and Arnold in the same movie at this time. Oh, my God. That would have been it might have actually been a hit. I mean, they both had movies on the same weekend, so <laughs> it worked same out. Same night. They yeah. the same day. I said same weekend. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Apologies. <laughs> I, I saw them both. <laughs> um, Sharon Stone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Which at that Sharon, time, that would have been fun. Yeah. She, she, I mean, and she does this in Catwoman, but bad. Um, Demi Moore was on the list. Uh, I mean, at that point, those three actors, that makes plenty of sense. I know exactly what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, reportedly, Feruza Balk was also in consideration. That is an outside-the-box suggestion that would have been interesting. Was it? Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. It wasn't just who's hot and famous right now. It, it's right after the, the craft. It's yeah. like it, it, yeah. If they wanted to go a certain angle, it'd be playing bad girl and Poison Ivy against the other because they're relatively Poison the same Ivy. age. There's a buck seems more Harley Quinn material than Poison Ivy, but I'm sure that was probably the yeah. next consider. I, I, I'm, yeah. since, since Schumacher wanted to do that next, I have no doubt that that was probably who he had on our mind. I mean, yeah, like Debbie Mazar, who is very much the if you can't get her, get her. But she was already one. she was, a she was in for forever. forever. That's yeah. what I was saying. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. he's got a type. Okay. Well, because you have Drew Barrymore, who's just like the same but blonde. Yeah. I mean, so it's like, and then both in that movie. Uh, also, if uh, supposedly uh, there's a version of this where if Burton was doing Poison Ivy, Gina Davis was going to be Poison Ivy. Oh, that'd be cool. So Rennie Harlan would have, if he did a Batman, she'd have been Poison Ivy too. <laughs> and, and he'd bankrupt another studio. <laughs> Warner Brothers was doing just fine until they let Rennie make a Batman movie. Cut, cut, cut through <laughs> Batman. They really were not well. doing just fine right now, actually. Warner this Brothers? was in the middle of a not great period for them with the slight exception of contact, which cost a lot, but it did, it was relatively successful. Well, this is they better. were. They were in a multi-year slump between this and the Matrix. And this is their highest grossing film of the year, and it, yeah. lo- and it lost money. For them, yeah. right? so. Ooh. Um, not them fighting over Poison Ivy like this. And then they had you know, tossing out millions. There's the credit card. I mean, po- Poison <laughs> Ivy never appeared in the '66 show, but if we can imagine, it would be similar to this. I'm sure. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's the film is sort of a mix of the 60s camp with, mm-hmm. I would say, to a certain extent, the late 50s comic, which isn't exactly anyone's favorite era of the comic books. Scott, which I think contr- and a character from Nightfall. Scott, you're not making any sense to me. Batman comics only exist between 1982 and 1994. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, God. And Frank Miller is the only, only writer. Exists between 1986 and 2000. <laughs> It started with the Dark Knight Returns. It ended with uh, No Man's Land. <laughs> Nothing else ever happened in the Batman universe. I've always thought it'd be cool because, you know, when I read comics, Batman had a blue suit and gray, blue and gray. I was like, you know what? Yeah. What if they did that on film? What would that look like? I was still waiting to see that version. I want to see that. Yeah. Live action. I, was I would love to see that. Live action. Many years ago, but, you know. Zack Snyder screwed you? <laughs> no, the other one. Yeah, that too, I guess. <laughs> he went, he, he went for the. Know. He went the Miller route, unpredictably. Yeah. <laughs> hey, at least, hey, that's another film that looks better than Superman Returns. Of course. <laughs> Batman and <laughs> Superman? <laughs> yes. Does it look better than Superman Returns? Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Singer's movie is very ugly and very green. Like, that is, is it, was it uh, the Seagull? 
shooting his movies. What's your favorite Cal Penn quote from Superman Returns? <laughs> he has one line. It's like we got away, and it's it's not it's it's from behind his head or off screen. Yeah. Wait, wait, he does have a line. He yeah, has one it, line. There's like a YouTube all... video devoted to the fact that he has one line. <laughs> it's off screen. Uh, my my world is is blown. My my world is shattered. Clever little Clover is, I think, my favorite like. Arnold line in this movie just because it's like that's better than the average one-liner that he has in this movie. It is. And it's because he's like he's using his science know-how. It's like I understand what this is and I'm not falling for it because I'm an ice ice person. So I I have a question for you all. In preference of Batman suits, do you do you prefer the the type that is here from Burton through Schumacher or the like military tactical suits that have been through from nolan to now well how specific do you want to get i like do do you like your bat suit looking busy and like someone could have made it in real life or do you prefer it to just be a superhero outfit i mean i'm always gonna like the keaton suit because it has the yellow that's, emblem and everything. that's yes. my favorite yeah that's my favorite and the yellow emblem is my favorite logo but i gotta I have like, the but, yellow emblem damn it but, but i and I, like I respect the the Snyder suit because it's it's yeah it's a comic book suit like it yes. looks like returns like yeah it's, it's yeah neat. but I but I and I I like I like Pattinson suit because I like the cape off it like I think the cape yeah. looks really good on Terrence you you make costumes what do you think where are you at with all this That's what I, this is a, this is such a hard question because I'm like I mean I I like my comic book movies to feel like comic book movies like mm-hmm. I do not need them to be grand like this this hoe is gliding on the air with his cape like i don't need it to be a suit that he made out of materials that he found in the back cave. but i do think i do think i like uh i think the bale ones look the best to me mm-hmm. and, um, you know there's none that i dislike that's for mm-hmm. sure like even these ones in the schumacher movies like you can make fun of the anatomically correct nature yeah. of the ball you want to yeah. but it's like they're their own thing. Like I'm not against it. Yeah, I think if they if he was not if he did not need to be so anatomically correct, yeah, I didn't need in yeah. the suit. Mm-hmm. You could appreciate it a little more. This I, this is a wonder of physics right here that I love. <laughs> this is where they're driving on this insane statue that's just a hand reaching out into Gotham, not up, even just like down into Gotham. I don't know what's yeah. going out of this thing, and they're like balancing four wheel cars on this is driving around. It's wonderful. This is like micro machines that you play with, and you're like, yeah, what if they did that in a Batman movie? This is a fun <laughs> shot right here too when he drives off the hand and like Bat and Robin's in the foreground. And he's like, no. It was a good trailer shot. Um, right there, here it is. No, <laughs> he's screaming at everything. Oh my goodness! Um, as far as suits, I obviously I'm partial to the first, you know, the first three f- films because they have the yellow oval thing. Mm-hmm. But I think if you had stuck a yellow oval on the Dark Knight suit or the Pattinson suit, those might be my favorites. I, I, yeah. think, I think that about the patent suit for sure. If you put a little yellow on it, but that movie's like, we don't need color except when it's red. So like, that's not, that's not what they're doing. What's, the, what's the anti-yellow wait, wait, logo? Real, 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 real quick. Here's this model shot of Arnold Schwarzenegger because that's not him. <laughs> <laughs> like on the oh my God. Is that even Clooney? 
I I don't think so either. I, I, I feel <laughs> like it honestly feels like a pickup. Like it's just such a weird shot that they have where. But it's like a big up. hero shot too. It's a, yeah, yeah, but it's like, but if you're like, they realize they needed one. Like yeah. they have the shot of him getting to him, but it's like, oh, we need to like actually show him like capturing him, or else because it was clearly how... going through that windshield, yeah. but yeah. not the easy stand. Uh, oh gosh, I wonder how like practical these suits were. Like this doesn't feel like not, the time where they not. like actually considered. <laughs> actors feelings <laughs> no, the, 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 the consistent the consistent thing about these 90s era batman movies is that uh, they're all very heavy they get progressively less heavy but because mm-hmm. of that throughout each movie they wear through them more so but between Clooney and his stuntman they go through like 50 suits on this movie Jeez. Because, because it's because it's this like it's this rubber yeah. material but because they've made them lighter for to be a less of an expense for the actor that means they rip a lot easier <laughs> so if they just ran through these suits it's probably why it costs so much money because we have to make multiple versions of all of this shit that <laughs> can keep doing this i will say that you know even when i saw this when i was you know 17 it was unusual to see a movie like this where they captured the villain halfway through the movie well, you Scott, mean like no. batman forever wait <laughs> no they don't catch Two Face halfway through. Oh, it's at the beginning, isn't it? No, he gets him. away. They oh, he gets away. Yeah. Don't they catch him? I thought they. No, no. Yeah. He tries. Uh, he tries to trap Batman in in that vault. Oh, with, that's with, right. right. With with not Wayne Knight, and and he, <laughs> and, and he gets away. My shoes are oh, no. melting. Boiling acid. <laughs> um. Yeah, and you know, obviously, I'd see the trailer, so I knew, you know, he's that at some point in the film he's in jail, and you know, mm-hmm. Ivy busts him out. Yada yada yada. But again, it was like, oh, that's different. I've never seen that before in this kind of movie. So this is this is the kickoff to the villain gets caught the whole day and wants that's the plan yes. the whole time. Well, it's not really the plan. No, in this movie. no, it's that's not the plan way. whatsoever. If X, Ivy X, doesn't X, break him out, he's finished. X two perfects this by making it the plan the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and other than this scene, you know, obviously this scene is very good, but this is where the film starts to sort of drag a little bit because there's just not much going on between now and the very end of the picture and part of that is because you know they caught mr freeze already well they caught him now and now it's a matter of we need to protect we need to play up this idea that robin is falling in love with poison ivy and doesn't realize it and this this needs to cause melodrama between the dynamic duo for like 30 minutes doesn't work because a you don't believe that robin's that stupid Mm -hmm. i mean and b it doesn't work because it's not genuine because they've both been doused with pharaohs. Yeah. Oh, also, also, uh, back girl's a secret um, stunt race driver at night. Yes, we need she, to she's getting also. the uh, you know the Dick Grayson from the last movie treatment. Yes, yeah, um, almost they're, identically. They're dance fighting there, just Dick Grayson. Um, oh, from the other. Okay, yeah. I had like a, I was like, Dick Grayson is in this new one. I haven't seen the newest Batman, so I don't. Um, yeah, this is. It is interesting that they never really play up any kind of romantic sparks between the two of these kids. They are doing that. What are you talking they about? They do that. There's lines at the end of the movie and stuff. Yeah. All there's longing his whole, Yeah. His whole, Chris O'Donnell's whole thing is I'm constantly staring at you because you're a new. <laughs> You're a new girl that suddenly entered this man castle that I live in. Yeah. <laughs> and Alfred's just like, go for it, Master Dick. It's my daughter or granddaughter, whatever. <laughs> mm. Is Patrick Leahy one of the prison guards here? Or is that a different scene? I think he is. Isn't I know 
Oh. Ventura is somewhere. Yeah, Ventura is another one. He's the other guard. Sven yeah. Ulf Thorson's one of them too. Yeah, he appears in every Arnold movie. Yeah. Oh. In the party scene, I believe. Uh, or no, not yet. Never mind. I'll get to that. There's some other cameos in this movie, but they're I think they're the motorcycle things. Um, but uh, yeah, we get there. He's not transporting Coolio. this man in the actual fridge. Oh yeah, Coolio's here. We'll, yeah. Get, we'll, we'll get there. That's later on. <laughs> we have a lot of movie left. Yeah. Did we see the costumes already? The two, or is that later? Not yet. That's that when, one, that's when what Poison Ivy gets in there. Yeah. This is like the, this is probably the best that Schwarzenegger is in this movie, right? <laughs> as just as Freeze. Yeah. The trailer because he doesn't have to wear that big fucking costume so he can act. <laughs> that's, that's why. Maybe that's part of what it is. I can't. I think He's it is. Trying to act yeah. against the suit. Well, I think it's it because that's a that's you know it's not easy to do that, but also, yeah. you know, if he's not feeling the best. Putting on a sixty-pound Mister Freeze costume isn't going to help that anyway either. And being directed to be like, "It's a toy movie." Okay, I think I got this. I don't know, whatever. I mean, those faces are pretty exaggerated. But before that, when he was just talking to the guys, it's pretty. It's pretty good, like Arnold Menace. <laughs> is it? And this is. We've only seen Arkham like once in forever at the end, right? We haven't Correct. seen Arkham yeah, before yeah. this. This is the first like extended period of time spent in Arkham Asylum. It's almost a surprise reveal at the end of Batman Forever. It's like, oh, Arkham, cool. Bane wearing that trench coat still. Mm-hmm. He's trying to blend in. Uh, Bane is played by Jeep Swenson, a man who was actually this big. Um, he was a stuntman in Batman Returns. Um, he- he's a big guy. He unfortunately passed away from heart failure pretty like pretty soon after this movie. He was 40. <laughs> uh, Kane Hodder was considered for Bane as well. Mm. Kane Hodder who's portrayed Jason a few times. At, at this point, he's played him like what? Once or twice, Brandon? Uh, this time he's played him three times three. going for a fourth because Jason X filmed plenty before it yeah. came out. <laughs> yeah. I like the uh, the Schumacher's thing about like finding street thugs is like yeah they're all neon that's how thugs are in the I can I can I can smell the incense I think and I, I can't speak for this film but I know in Batman Forever there was a part of that was to make sure that the thugs weren't too scary for kids I it worked I guess yeah. hey this stuff looks cool in 4K the HDR yeah, I, on oh yeah awesome. I bet it does it looks cool on my laptop or cool my right desktop. <laughs> Um, what was the next step of their plan? <laughs> now, <got> him. <laughs> for what it's worth, I'm not saying the original script is like super dark or anything, but in the actual script, he kills these people. Uh, and there are a few bits and pieces that are slightly more explicitly violent, relatively speaking, than the finished film. Yeah, there's some stuff in here that's could all considerably darker that's taken out. Like uh Elle McPherson's character is murdered by poison ivy. And the yes. first, like they shot that. Yeah. And oh. they're like, I guess and I guess we shouldn't do that. <laughs> I think was at some point their plan. I guess we shouldn't show Batman lose, you know, his his uh, fiance getting murdered by poison ivy because that's a little too dark for kids. Um yeah that doesn't seem wise. Yeah there's there's only is there only like one death in this movie and that's John Glover. Is that it? Um no because there's I mean like, we assume he, Batman doesn't heal all the frozen security guards in the opening scene. I mean, he's too busy freezing, unfreezing Robin. 
Okay, Scott, come on. For one thing, <laughs> you're, you're going off the assumption that the innocent policemen die that you're that you're fired. You know what I'm saying, though. I mean, it's beyond like henchmen that crash into walls. And oh yeah, or whatever. Then there's as John as, like, Glover. As far as characters that die in this movie, isn't it pretty much John Glover and maybe some people that she kisses along the way? Yeah, the two guards so. she kills in a couple of minutes. Like it's a pretty like none of the villains die. Well, Bane dies, no. I guess, right? Bane. Bane. Oh like, no, he does not die. Doesn't he? No, doesn't no. he? He gets his venom just you know knocked out and he nothing like whittles, crashes. I guess we'll see. I thought something like crashes, back to his normal self. I thought oh. like the building crashes on him or something. No, no. Previous yeah. movie of what five Graysons and a two face die. Uh, if we're not, brutal. it's brutal. Comparatively, yeah, because <laughs> a lot of henchmen die. No. We don't. But again, it was it was them. very bloodless. It was very you know nobody got their nose bitten off. Nobody, yeah, there's yeah, they're, it, it, they're still considerably less violent than yeah. the murder sprees. That it's swashbuckling violence. <laughs> yeah. It's Star Wars violence. But even then, it's still like Two-Face, like casually being like, I guess I'll flip a coin and maybe shoot a guy in the face. Like in yeah. this movie, it's just like nobody's shooting anybody. We have ice guns. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, is this yeah. her last scene in this movie? I believe so. Because, because, they, because they cut a lot of stuff, and including the death scene of her. Uh, but like, because whenever I watch this movie, I always forget. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. He has a fiance, and then she just is not in it anymore. It's what? You know what's interesting about these early Batman? They all four of them they all shoot in one eighty five, which yeah. now default you have to shoot two thirty five. But nobody knows really how to shoot in that. And Batman, these movies feel big, and even in their smaller, more intimate scenes like this, feel bigger than a lot of the huge action sequences in some of these Marvel movies. Well, it's funny because photography. Because uh, Whedon did it both ways. He did one eight. He did one eight five for um, Avengers, and then mm-hmm. went went wide for um, Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. I think Age of Ultron, technically, there's a lot of. I think there's an increase in skill there. I think that's right. noticeable. But Avengers, it feels like a bigger. It has this kind of iconicism to it, just based mm-hmm. off how he's framing certain shots. Even being a guy that's coming out basically from TV and making the biggest movie of all time. Uh, it still has a certain look to it where it's like you don't you don't forget that you know that spin around shot of all the avengers in that movie. right mm-hmm. like it, it that's iconic at this point like that's 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 going to be in cinema history as far mm-hmm. as like things that happened um even if he you know in, upgraded as a as a filmmaker for the next movie that stands out but you're, you're not wrong like all these other like oh, uh, shoot a certain first, way. Spi- I Brady's feel like first Spider-Man was one eight five. Then he went yeah. two three five. I think just to have so he could make sure that Spider-Man and Doc Ock were in the same frame. It, right. yeah, it, yeah, it, it was, yeah. it's, it's effects based. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think part of it, like too, like they just see they're like, well, Star Wars is two thirty five. It's huge. Boom. Like it's like there's a craft <laughs> and technical mastery that comes with it, and just doing a bunch of second unit digital later stuff doesn't quite pick up. Yeah, but well. it's a skill in knowing. Yeah. When to shoot and what? I mean, hey, hey Clockwork Orange. Is this I mean, Space Jam a new legacy all of a sudden? Yes. I mean, Jurassic Park was 185. For exactly. Instance. I mean, you, yeah. it's uh, underappreciated. I, 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 I think they all are except for Fallen Kingdom. I think that's the first one that goes 235. Uh, Jurassic World, I think it's like two. I think it's sort of a happy you're, medium. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it, you're not right. Yeah, because there's cool. Um, but yes, two, three, I think lost. Hold on. There, not only there's Coolio in between. That's Nikki Cat right there. Right. Yep. Dark Knight as well. And he's he's um eighty yard. That's not Nikki Cat's voice. Oh, okay. Boston Public. Why Nikki was Cat. it eighty yard? I don't know. He didn't sound. Just sound enough. tougher. This must have been one of his first anything's. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Corey Haim somewhere in this scene as well. Oh. Obviously, people cheered. They saw that was him. nice. That was nice of him. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, but I mean, that was nice of Schumacher to give him a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, he needed a, he needed a one lost boy. Yeah. Um. Uh, I yeah, I just I think yeah, just I feel like blockbuster nowadays is just like well, it's two thirty five because those that's big, but our our movie theater screens are set for one eighty five now. It used to be because the screen was bigger in the, yeah. in the multiplexes and and the the curtains would come up for a 235 or for a 185 movie and they would close a bit for it but now we have 185 movies and it's shrinking matting mm-hmm. the screen down for 235 so it's kind of if they even matter otherwise it's just, it just looks like walking a giant they don't, they don't uh, yeah yeah, yeah. At, at, at the bigger chains they don't for sure right so it's it's really backward thinking or you know doesn't make there's, a whole lot of sense there's a lot of good shots of this motorcycle chase. yeah, yeah objectively <laughs> this is a terrific motorcycle chase. There's, there's some good cinematography going on here uh, um, one last thing about the the aspect ratio thing that, that i know the thing that got me excited for bumblebee of all things was that it was 185 mm-hmm. because michael bay is always like let me do 235 for these giant fucking robot movies and then just have these like clumps on the screen and have this mm-hmm. wide fucking space of it just like what the f-? like yep. <laughs> and he's good at this he knows how to use effects but he's yeah like, let me have Does all he? the space I, he he knows how to use effects you know and the first time he does an action far- scene in imax ratio it's a coolest scene in the franchise it is when he when he expands the screen yeah. so like they fill it properly instead of having <laughs> like 235 version of transformers which are supposed to be ginormous it's like what are you doing mike like what? i don't understand um it's what i there like i hear what you're saying i do it, when it comes to cgi in his movies cgi tends to look very good in michael bay movies because it holds up on home video better than I, yeah he hires most directors he hired whether or not he can frame it appropriately yes, that's never, okay that's that's, a, yes. that's, that's yeah. another question but in terms of how good that stuff looks it tends to look very he's good, good with shadow <laughs> shading and making it fit the aesthetic of what he's shooting lighting wise but um because yeah, when you when his stuff would come to home video, it usually you know in theater looks fine. Then he comes to home video, and you're like, okay, that's CG. His stuff usually holds up quite well to scrutiny when it ter- in terms of the the CGI. Now framing whole, all that stuff, that's a whole different. This whole scene has a certain episode one pod racer feel to it. Uh, neither criticism nor compliment, especially I mean, with the random saboteurs doing random shit to punk the other riders. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some second unit people that yeah. are on the same sets because Skywalker. <laughs> now, when I was a kid, and even now, this was cool. Like, I like this. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, this yeah. is fun to watch. You know, the person goes over the ledge, catches them, all that. Pulling a vertical limit here for Chris Titan theatrics. It works. It's, you know, things we should allow in movies that we don't because it doesn't feel real. Feel yeah. Mr. Helmet, though. It's a nice helmet. And now Scott's going to like try to go on this lie again that they're not romantically interested in each other. That's... Yeah. <laughs> I guess I was expecting something more. I mean, I mean, Batman Forever, that movie's horny as hell. These are the fast forward scenes for the Scott. He's well, like, yeah, because well, because Nicole Kidman's written to be nothing but object in that movie. Yeah, I guess that's true. Where she at least has like a backstory that's similar to all. They're all, you know, orphans. <laughs> that's their common thread between them. <laughs> And what bonds them? 
Um, other Batgirls, uh, Olivia Diabo was up for the role. I think um, that's kind of past her time that she would have been up for. You know. I, I thought that too. When I read that, I was like, she was like an adult when she made like the big green. Like, yeah. okay. <laughs> um, Jennifer Love Hewitt was the other one. Of um, course. Party of Five got in the way. Um, that's what I understand anyway. Maybe there's a regardless. But she's the other. Like, I, I don't think Nev Campbell was about to do a, uh, a Batman movie. So no. <laughs> that's a like I I love Jennifer Love Hewitt, but that's like a, a let's get a name choice rather than does it fit the role choice. Well, unfortunately, that's where a lot what a lot of these would be castings feel to me. The ones that he's read off, yeah. especially more so for the female roles, just because that's you know. I mean, Jennifer Love Hewitt would have been fun. I yeah. think. Not that I necessarily need to point this out, but this is still the only live-action Batgirl that's been in a movie. <laughs> Just, until, the, until this next one. Until this, the next on one that's the, coming up, yeah. On the big screen. Live-action Batgirl that's been on the big screen. We'll, live-action we'll movie. I said, yeah. <laughs> live-action movie that's played on the big screen because the other one's HBO Max, straight oh, too. Yeah, that's right. Isn't it going to theaters now? Didn't they change that? Uh, oh, did they? No, it's still... I think they're eventually going to put it in theaters, but mm-hmm. for now, it's still officially HBO Max. And you know that's not anything I've heard; it's just my own speculation. This stuff is—I think it's the suit. I think it is like this stuff is good with him. Like, I know it's simple; he's just holding a thing. But there's still like you can see a character there. Oh yeah, (laughs) when he's—he's just acting. Yeah, he's not—he's shutting the hell up, like you mentioned for a second. He's not talking. He's just like like that's something he's—he's doing something right here that I I can I can appreciate more than yes the constant ice puns partially because he's supposed to be this tragic devastated you know figure but he's always tackling and putting and and just looks like he's having a grand old time it just doesn't mesh just to be clear not only does arkham asylum accept visitors makes like someone that looks like this walking down the hallway you realize she has that fragrance that's kind of mind controlling right like again i imagine i imagine she's had her way through there like i haven't lost focus on the fact that this is a very comic book movie and and throwing at the camp it's just thinking about the idea that this person dressed in electric green is walking through the hallways (laughs) so she can visit so she can visit some because visitors have i mean what else do you wear to arkham asylum you're not wrong you you wear a trench coat and a hat like mr bane that's <laughs> Which one has the eye patch? Is that Sven? That's I think the Catrick Lee. Yeah, this, I, I don't know where uh, is Sven, and I know he's in here. The Riddler, Two Two Face died, folks. Yeah, that was confusing to me. They, they, but they whatever, can't, he can't get his costume. <laughs> he didn't have other suits in that lair that he had. That could be true. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> How could they get another Two Face costume in here? Why would they keep it? He's dead. Because that because the where do you keep supervillain stuff? In the Arkham Asylum closet. That's <laughs> where. <laughs> Have we had a Bane like, roaring? I guess we haven't had too many superhero movies to begin with. And I guess well, it's Penguin and Catwoman, right? As far as pairing yeah. villains together for one of these things, which becomes a status quo for a while. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, every Batman since has had multiple villains. Does she change her eyebrows every yeah, every scene? Mm-hmm. Or her hair too, I think. Yeah, oh, yeah. but, she but looks the hair entirely... is the same color. Her eyebrows are like the whatever that is going around her eyebrows is different. I, 
Mm-hmm. Not even like stylized. She styles her hair differently and everything. I mean, yeah. same with the Riddler. Last movie, he's like constantly upgrading his costume. Yeah, I mean, for him, it's it's the you know the obviously the his as his character becomes more and more unhinged, his costumes become you know goofier and goofier. Um, and it keeps him safe when he's jogging at night. Yes. That that line killed my mom in theaters with the Riddler. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps me safe and I'm jogging at night. <laughs> it's, it's now that line was pretty damn funny to 15-year-old me. <laughs> it's like I pay enough I pay attention to the news enough to get that. Ha ha ha. It, it, I like that his solution <laughs> involved winterizing pipes. That's winterizing the pipes. <laughs> I was able to make a pun out of this. It all worked out. <laughs> that seems like a long drop. <laughs> I mean, that, that killed that killed. Yeah. That, it killed Riddler's boss in the last movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. It's okay. She like grew a plant at the bottom before they fell and caught their caught their fall. I do like Bane's thing. Oh my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> you said she grew a plant? Yeah, you know, at the bottom, right before the, she grew a plant out, they caught them. And so they're they're safe. That's why they that's why they oh, oh, you're making this up. Okay, carry on. No, that's canon. That's, oh, okay. it's, it's it's in the I'll, I'll accept it. I'll accept it. It's in the novelization. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I just thought you'd notice some detail that I'd missed after all these years. <laughs> yeah, <right> um, <laughs> I know everybody gives, you know, including grief for the bobbing head thing, but I like it. It's a natural human thing. You know, it's, it's, you smile when you get bad news because it's sort of a coping mechanism. You know, it's, you know, we smile not to cry, blah, blah, blah. And it feels very naturalistic, actually. Um, which again, I think he's very good in this film when he's not in the bat costume. I wonder if there's someone that's charted like him grinning in movies. Cause I do feel like it's more present in the nineties and then he gets sadder and sadder as movies mm. kind of go along for him. <laughs> that's not, that's, <clears throat> that's not me criticizing Clooney, but it does feel like he's making very deliberate choices along through his career where he's, he, he, I think he, cause he's a smart guy. I think he's always known that he's got a long, got a long way through just sheer charisma to build yeah. up to a certain I point. I think he won the Oscar. Because he put Syriana, on sad face. And it was like, we're not going to be happy anymore. Yeah. Well, his, his his first words were, well, it looks like they're not giving me best director. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he hasn't made a, a better film since. Um, Pretty so much. Maybe, you know. he's a, like you say, he's smart. Like you'll notice his name creeps up as a producer on stuff. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay. Like, I, I know, like, I, wait, he yeah. won a producer what, Argo. You run a producer Oscar yeah. on that? Yeah, he has Oscar. Yeah, he has the best picture Oscar. And between you know the coffee and tequila business or whatever, whichever drink he has, it's got, yeah, the, it is tequila. The guy's smart. I mean, he's, he's a ridiculous billionaire who's married to someone else that's like even smarter than him. Like there's, like, there's, no, there's no shortage. Yeah, his, what he's, his wife's like a doing. world court prosecutor for global war crimes or something. Yeah, and, cool. and Scott, it's got. <laughs> You said like while being like this big star and like household name, box office not so much, right? Well, because a lot of the films that he makes or made are the kind of films that a wouldn't exist if not for his interest, and b 
aren't the kind of films that even, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you know, packed the halls. I mean, it's not like a movie like The American ever would have been a blockbuster, even in the 70s. But because he's there, you do get the, you know, 10 to $15 million at opening weekend of people that still like like that kind of picture. I mean, outside of Batman, I assume his top three films were Ocean's 11, 12, and 13. Gravity. Gravity, yeah. Oh, I forgot Gravity, yeah. Okay. Which, to be fair, yeah, but he's only in the first act of that picture. Yeah. What happened? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he safely flew home. Yeah, that's okay. That's how I remember. Yeah. Um, <laughs> perfect Storm, too. Perfect Storm, yeah. Oh, biggest yeah, hit of the summer yeah, yeah. that year. Yeah. Um, well, the, yeah, I mean, this, and that's in more of his like, yeah, yeah, but I'm, I, I'm, know, I'm becoming the lead star guy that exactly. I exactly before, but like, you know, he doesn't but, sign up for something like you know, burn after reading, or uh, I mean, even what was the one that he did about the monuments men budget notwithstanding, ooh. expecting it to be a giant blockbuster, um, you know, or yeah, diary I, of uh, the, the filmy director with Sam Rockwell, the uh, confessions of a dangerous oh, mind. Thank yeah. you. But well, yeah, I mean, out, you can say those films left audiences cold. But they're also cheap <laughs> enough that they don't have to be blockbusters anyway. But yeah, um, it also know, comes down like he because he's in like Coen Brothers movies. One thing it gets them funding and marketing that yes. they wouldn't get otherwise. Um, so it is. No, he's movie. been very savvy about using his capital. Yeah, and, and he even said, and I'm paraphrasing, but you know, after this movie, he basically sat down with his accountant and said, you know, can I just. He basically said, you know, you really don't have to worry about money ever again as long as you don't blow it. I'm trying to find Clooney's filmography, and I got to the section on Wikipedia that says motorcycle accidents. Oh, God. <laughs> There's multiples. <laughs> Jeez. Right. 2007, 2007 again, and 2018. Yeah, that would. Clooney that would and be- his cycles and Ford and his planes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Batman and Robin are fighting Bane in an ice cream factory. <laughs> As one does. So so whose like, career doesn't really truly survive this movie? Is it, I mean, Schumacher. Thurman's fine. Schumacher's reputation. Uh, I think Silverstone takes the biggest. Silverstone, the biggest Odon- O'Donnell's not the huge commodity he once was. Like Clooney and Thur- Thurman come out fine. Arnold ends up on his own accord going into politics and stuff. So well, that, yeah. yeah, Arnold's already in like this, like he's past the biggest thing and he's just like, he's certainly Arnold, but yeah, like and his movies eight. start becoming eh, kind of well, movies. Well, Schumacher, but... Schumacher might not have been as big, but yeah, he did do Phantom of the Opera. No, Schumacher didn't stop making movies, but I mean, yeah. there's certainly, and he got Tigerland. That was pretty, that was like a comeback. Even Phone Booth was the got good good, booth, yeah. good enough reviews and was a moderate hit. I mean, for a small movie like it was, like Schumacher's career is interesting in that. Yeah, I, I think to a certain extent he was able to at least return to the kind of movies he made before. I don't know the client. I guess that was probably his first. The big, client was big film because that got that him was, forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, but it, I mean. I can only imagine what his directorial reputation would have been if he had walked away after Batman Forever, because he had a good, you know, he had a strong, interesting, varied filmography was, before these films. I mean, he, had, he, had, of, he was a journeyman. He had a, yeah, he had a I mean, he, you know, he was hired as the guy that made the Lost Boys and Falling Down. He made adult R-rated movies. <laughs> Which is mostly what he kept making after the Batman films. Well, yeah, yeah, that, he, after, he probably was like, I want to get paid. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's a, it's a mix of that. Because after this is eight millimeter. Yeah. Um, 
but then you have something like flawless and and then it's then it's like small things like tiger but then it's like get that money bad company with with uh, rock and hopkins yeah. and it's like all right <laughs> there's he he's not making like passion project at this point it's just like small stuff that he's pulling in and then yeah he gets to do he gets to be like phantom, phantom of the opera seems like the like the dream project that he finally gets to be able to do how good it is is a different story he gets, yeah. he gets to make we, it we were all hopeful till we saw it uh i mean i think i I knew personally when they when they were like Gerard Butler is the Phantom, uh, how that movie was going to go. Yeah, <laughs> but it did it did make a brilliant adaptation choice of moving the chandelier crash, yeah, to the end rather than at the end of the first act, which it is in the musical, which is really stupid. Um, yeah, I I, I only knew Gerard Butler as that guy from Tomb Raider: Cradle of Life at that point, so I didn't know that. He was that awful of a singer. Uh, Dracula. Not, not for Dracula he was 2000. everyone's Dracula. Did he sing in Dracula? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, he was dressed like a rock star, so I assume he's saying at some point. I mean, oh. it, that man, people say his line readings are just rhythmic and you know we, we did skip over a couple <laughs> interesting things worth noting. Yeah. A, this is the only we just the only part where Christopher Gordon actually, you know, Talks saves the man. day or does anything useful. Um, the other thing is, you know, as much as everybody talks about, oh no, movies aren't horny anymore. I wish movies were hornier. This was a film, you know, where the adults in the room, the critical consensus, was quite annoyed by how, you know, body and and not vulgar because this isn't Batman Returns. It's a very kid friendly movie. Yeah, but there's there's a lot of blue sexual humor in here. It's PG rated to be sure, but there's still, implied, well, yeah, there's, mean, a, there's implied stuff, but it's it's yeah. far from like scathe, like you know, harsh. And well, right. But I mean, but even that got some, you know, was a, a cause for criticism back in summer '97. I, I think part of it was I don't know if they were mad, but they like you know, Burton's Batman broke through. It was like we got away from the stigma of that 1960s Batman show, and then no one noticed it in Batman Forever. But right here, they're like, oh crap, we got back here again. And I don't know if it was because, you know, that old show was pretty horny itself in the 60s. Yeah. Um, especially when Catwoman showed up. But like, it's a, it's a trend that tends to happen in, in most franchises where it start it starts out in a certain grittier path. There's a certain level of maturity to what's taking place, even though the Burton films are, you know, <laughs> they're all essentially we're returns. It's very sexual, uh, but there's still certainly an aesthetic and a tone that doesn't necessarily appeal specifically to one group before it morphs back into the other thing to say that. I mean, you the, I'm going to bring it up. Godzilla does the same thing. Godzilla starts out very stark um, and evolves over time to eventually being literally about kids. Um, you can, yeah. even the even the monster verse has done that the first one is a stark drama where godzilla versus kong uh, is a very mm-hmm. colorful and kid-friendly version of it i mean it's not a new thing the planet of the apes movies kind of moved that direction too eventually like i mean they well, have a cartoon, it, they have a cartoon like, series <laughs> at some point it's like they're like okay we're doing they're like can we just mess around please can we the just bon, you know the, like, bon, the bond movies move that direction yeah, daniel like, craig's <laughs> got a little bit crazier the, the Sean Connery does a thing. It's Hitchcock thrillers, and then Roger Moore eventually, towards in the eighties, especially, becomes more of what a lot of people recognize that as. I mean, yeah, it's and it's you know it's it's business based. Who's seeing these movies? Adults are mm-hmm. not anymore. They don't age up now. They're just like, oh, we take these dark things always seriously. But back then, <laughs> they were like, oh, the kids are the ones that are still seeing these. Let's make it appeal more to them. 
the adults will get some chuckles out of this, some things the kids don't understand, and we're all good. Yeah. Nowadays, this though, it has to be serious. Plant is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a crazy little like model thing. They probably That's spent ten thousand dollars on it. Kids don't watch movies growing up anymore now because it's all aimed at the adults. They don't have their kids' movies come straight to video streaming. Sorry, Disney Plus. <laughs> The plus, the P and plus is for Pixar. Ouch. <laughs> Who's this doctor? I don't know. It looks almost like Q. <laughs> <laughs> uh, McGregor syndrome is named after a producer of the movie. Uh, or, or is it a production designer? I think it might be a production. A well-liked production designer? or is Yes. It like, okay. Uh, there's there's three McGregors. The first one's well liked. The stage three is not well liked. <laughs> I think you know, getting rid of you know broader issues again. I think this film just takes to a far more extreme what Batman Forever only kind of suited it, which is that you have a very grounded, relatable occasionally thoughtful humans drama around the heroes and then you have just camp and nonsense with the villains yeah. and i think one issue with this film is that the camp absolutely overpowers the drama yeah um, and, and i think in forever there's far more of a balance and clooney's batman blends in with the camp where yes kilmer's contrasted it oh uh, yeah I, I agree with that so now you have everybody camping it up in those scenes rather than even then, though, I mean, look at like the Batman animated series. It's not like the Kevin Conroy Batman was joking around amidst the stuff that said that show is not campy. I get that also. But there are episodes that are leaning more comedic or yeah, little... Scott's favorite. There's a Batman in my basement. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you have 112 episodes. You get plenty of variety. I yeah. mean, I, you know, I just say his Batman is fairly stoic throughout that yes. run. Where... And that was sort of, even when they redid it in the late 90s for about 20 or 30 episodes, the tone was a little bit not campier, but archer, even though it actually was more violent because they could get away with more stuff on the WB. And some of the, like, some of the costumes were scarier, like the Scarecrow's yeah. costume was scarier. But the one, you know, the one rule was that Batman would never be funny. Yeah. And that that was how they would, you know, make sure to not go overboard as a kid seeing these batman movies uh michael goff being in this kind of vulnerable state that upset me a little bit i recall that i recall being like saddened by the fact that alfred Mm -hmm. was not doing well because it's you know you see him as a a proper gentleman while wearing his glasses hair is neat and everything and here he is on you know lying on his deathbed literally and it's like this is sad i I felt bad for that and you're like wilfred is that canon i I do remember being, I was like, oh, I hope they don't kill Alfred. I hope they don't kill Alfred. <laughs> I, I had a big, I had a, like a middle, little perplexing thing. It was like, wait, he's, she's not Commissioner Gordon's daughter? I was like, what's right, going yeah. on exactly? Yeah. Like, that threw me off. Yeah. Uh, but Take liberties, oh, wait, which is wait. fine. If- Mc- McPherson does come back in this movie. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm mistaken. Um, and Gossip Gertie. <laughs> um, Clooney mentioned something, and it's the kind of thing that he brings up you know, a lot in interviews and gets reported as if it's new news every time, but that, you know, he claimed at the time that he played Bruce Wayne as relatively gay. 
And I, I do think, especially in retrospect, some of the backlash to this movie was rooted in the sheer homoerotic campy tone that was certainly not something that was to be particularly appreciated by people who still wanted these films to be very dark and serious and taken seriously. Um, and also the fact that, you know, this was considered, you know, even back then, there were not like there were tons of Batman movies being made. You know, this was the one. This was, yeah. you know, was this the tone of the entire series? And now it's the same thing with, you know, when there's a Bond film that people don't like. Well, at the time, it's like, oh, God, it's the end of the world. But, you know, in retrospect, it's just one of, you know, 25 James Bond movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that the, 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 you know, the early 90s homophobia, not that it's gotten that much better. Certainly played a part in some of the not with the Batman the fandom. Definitely has not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely. I mean, you could definitely see that the influence and like, like that's an interesting approach to take with with Bruce Wayne. You know, if you wanted this, like an interesting story that you could potentially tell there about, like, you know, like the Playboy persona is the thing that's sort of hiding. It's like double. There's like yeah. a double layer. It's like not yeah. hiding Batman, but it's hiding something else. Um, well, you have a, also an openly gay director complimenting it too. With this, they can yeah. compliment it with this filmmaking, and you know, and the very phallic choices it. throughout the movie, as far as reduction yeah. design goes, <laughs> it's not out there. <laughs> um, and I remember, and you know, they did it. There's an episode of Batman Mad series called Legends of the Dark Knight, which has a handful of kids telling their versions of what they think Batman's like. Mm-hmm. One of them's The Dark Knight Returns. One of them's very 1940s Dick Sprang. Yeah. And then the final one is, you know, the truth. And there's a quick cheap shot at, at the, these films in the form of a very feminine young man who's named Joel that talks about Batman being all, you know, He's got nipples and he's so fashionable and whatever. It's, it's it's a joke that hasn't aged well, but it's certainly everybody got what they were referring to at the time. Um, having said that, I do think it's too easy to simply say people didn't like this 25 years ago because boo-hoo homophobia. The film doesn't work. You know, I certainly like, again, I like what it's about. I don't like how it's about it. Yeah. The movie's not bad because there's nipples on the back costume. Like, yeah, exactly. that's not. And that became an easy way to both make fun of the film and an easy way to deflect criticism of the film. It's the same as Martha. It's the same. Yeah, thing. absolutely. Yeah. You know, that scene is okay. I get it. I don't think it's acted terribly well, but I think it makes sense. Moment? Yeah, I think thematically it makes sense. I mean, it's it's set up right in the beginning of the movie, but oh, I hate it's it. it's also it's sort of like the the running in heels bit from Jurassic World that we tend to latch onto one or two completely nitpicky, arbitrary criticism as a representative of the whole film not working. That's true. Even um, though I think that her running in heels was stupid, and I think that Martha the scene was also equally as dumb and emblematic of why that movie was bad. And that's entirely fair. I like Jurassic <laughs> World, but that is a weird, that is a, just because the way it's shot, where partially because the way it's shot, where she's clearly doing a sprint in heels. <laughs> so, um, which, which is, I mean, it was her decision. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's also her character. <laughs> <laughs> she's um, a director herself, so she obviously yeah. 
what do, what doesn't help is the, the the movie doesn't lean into the satire that it's that it seems right. to want to go for the, yes. the rest, yeah. the rest yeah. of the movie hasn't supplied something that would make that visual juxtaposition make sense as far as like yeah you get it you know she's her, her character's evolving because heels and she'll take how off many, how many cutaways to baby young bruce <laughs> Oh, and Alfred, is this movie gonna do? <laughs> I think because I think the scene is really affecting. Yeah. Um, but like they they still felt the need to cut away to like a younger version. It's like you don't think we get it by now? <laughs> Kid, kids won't. <laughs> the kids understand. Why are these adults talking still? Hey, that's a kid. I'm represented in this movie. I get it now. Alfred really should have put a password limit on this uh, device here. <laughs> You've been locked out. Sorry. Why would it be England? <laughs> I mean, spoiler, none of my passwords are Ohio. Uh, Scott, she's not Oracle yet. <laughs> oh, God. Apparently, Shit. all these passwords are case sensitive with the first letter capitalized, too. That's how Apple worked back then. Peg. I'm sorry, you need a minimum of six characters. Good job that 300 password. But she had it capitalized at the beginning. So. Look, graphics just wandering on the screen. Yeah, that is that's so, nightmare. So, so what's better? Oh. What's better? Oh, she made, she she downloaded the film. <laughs> what's what what's better we're in now, now. The, the idea that 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 michael michael kane alfred is like search the dark web for every information on bane or this version where michael goff has been secretly making a batgirl costume and a batgirl motorcycle and all these kinds of schematics for her to join the gang which, which it or, blends it, better here because the bit with Bane really takes me out of the. I mean, whatever. I mean, it was ten years ago. Andy but. Circus, the uh, code cracker, the oh yeah, cipher I, man. I buy that at instant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. just doing like crossword puzzles. Oh and yeah. Shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what else am I going to do? My fucking son-in-law over here is just mooting away. I got to do something <laughs> with my time. <laughs> um. Do you like Robin's costume in this movie? Because obviously he went for the they went for the red and green and gold in the last movie. To Nightwing they, in it. Yeah. yeah, it's like a Nightwing inspired costume here. With a I cape and red instead of blue. I have no objection to it on principle. I just think it's a shame we didn't get at least one or two more scenes of the traditional Batman and Robin kicking ass together. I like the costume. Yeah. I you know, I'm I'm always a fan of when you know superhero costumes like embrace the source material and use color things that that's all black is not great apparently that took four hours to put on by the way my god yeah i it melt it. it to his body dry it well, i assume it's like pieces so you have to like put them all on and then dip yeah the and i bet on. you the boots were probably the hardest part to put on because <laughs> I've, I've seen some other, other costumes mm-hmm. where people have like the muscle suit that's you know underneath it, and like the boots are the thing that take the longest time to mm. remove. Supposedly, they're going to not only make what Batman triumphant, right? Straight, uh, mm-hmm. With, with mm-hmm. Uh, Scarecrow and Harley Quinn as the villains, but um, Chris O'Donnell might have gotten a spinoff movie as Nightwing. I thought he was going to die in the opening of Part Five. No, he was going to be. They were. He was going to go off to somewhere Fair. or something. Um, Interesting. And yeah, uh, Scarecrow, Harley Quinn, 
What was Jenny McCarthy as Holly? Yes. Harley Quinn? Oh, was, yeah. was, Howard Stern as the Scarecrow. Naturally. Oh my God. <laughs> um, again, these films were casting for who was. Who was it was because, just because, it was like gold, at the time, gold people were like, was up for Scarecrow too. There's gold was, bloom, I believe. Oh yeah, gold, gold bloom. Oh my god, the thought. Howard um, Stern. Well, I mean, Jenny McCarthy as Quinn is no better, frankly. Yeah, but, uh, but there's a there's a realm where that makes sense. Yeah, it would have made sense. Shock Jock Howard Stern hired to play <laughs> Scarecrow in the next Batman movie, and Harley Quinn was Joker's daughter, and the fear toxin was going to bring back Jack Nicholson as the Joker for a cameo. Yes, that I do remember. Man, Jack, if that happened, Jack would have gotten such a big pay because <laughs> he would you, he would fully say yes, but he would he would get the biggest check. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he would have to shoot all of his seeds at Laker Stadium. Yep. <laughs> Why does he look like he's sitting down on a bleacher chair at all of his scenes? Oh. <laughs> I like how the Batman security system has very much not improved since Batman Forever. It's like, yeah, we just put some lasers up now. Can you stand in between them very easily? Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's gonna get! Oh, <laughs> ah! <laughs> you could have gotten Resident Evil. I'm glad they all have the wallpaper for Batman and Robin. And <laughs> what do these lights even do? <laughs> Did he like sit in front of a camera and say "Intruder Alert" twelve times? Yep. It's Max Headroom with Alfred. <laughs> beep 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 or port. <laughs> I play this game. <laughs> Just ask Alfred. Cool. I, for some reason, knew you would show up here years later and crafted you a costume. Yeah. Of your exact body type, even though we haven't met. Make sure to get the zoom in. It's an equal opportunity, Batman. <laughs> Boom. Yes. <That> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Boobs. She's got bat pasties on. Yeah, that, that must be heavy wearing all that stuff. <laughs> it's a full leather leather black uh, mm-hmm. cape and everything. <laughs> yes, Just pulling on up heavy. to the hideout. <laughs> I like that the only way they can get a spotlight was just taking the other Batman spotlights. Like, there's no other spotlights in this thing. But they got a custom Robin signal and everything on it, so that's nice. I really like this set that they make for poison ivy here her like lair yeah it's like, pretty cool mm-hmm. it's really elaborate and it comes alive if it's like like if you're gonna buy like a toy i probably wouldn't go for the ice cream shop but this thing's pretty neat yeah <laughs> oh we haven't talked about the soundtrack because this and forever have some kicking soundtracks yeah that uh, yes. grammy grammy winning soundtrack from smashing pumpkins on this one. yeah the end is the beginning is the end and the beginning is the end is the end beginning. is the beginning yeah, yeah. With one of those featured in the Watchmen trailer, right? The slow one, uh, and then um, it was funny because at the time of the pumpkins, it was right after they had that incident where Jimmy Chamberlain and the keyboardist uh, OD'd, and the keyboardist died, and they kicked Jimmy Chamberlain out. So this was the one of the few tracks that had Matt Walker from Filter on drums, and he was in the video as well. And uh, you know everybody's favorite, R. Kelly was on this one. Oh God. <laughs> Gotham City. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> not, 
none of these recreated like the the smash success that was Kiss from a Rose in the previous. Oh no, yeah. no, no! <laughs> but you know, Smashing Pumpkins. That, still... that 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 was the Smashing Pumpkins was in place for the uh, U2 song. Yeah, Hold Me, Kill Me, so, Thirst Me, Kill Me. Yeah, and then there was what Bone had one. Yeah, Bone Thugs and Harmony. They got looking in my eyes. And if Jules Foolish Games was already a single, and they just like repurposed it and added some Batman clips to the music video for this yeah. one. Goo Goo Dolls coming in here also. Oh gosh, yeah. And these, I mean, these are superhero movies, so like they all, you know, mm-hmm. they're the big thing. They all had these, right? I mean, the yep. with like I don't like the X Men didn't have like Fox didn't really do it, but these other yep. ones did because like the mm-hmm. Spider Man movies they had soundtrack. I mean, well, in the nineties, soundtrack was everything. Like, yeah, it was oh, music, I, music inspired by the motion picture. Fondly remember the Chad uh, Kroger song for uh, for Spider Man. Yeah. yeah, even the uh, the the early. Um, Marvel movies, they had you know up to Iron Man three. I think that's where they stuck. Besides Guardians, because that's its own thing. But up to Iron Man three, they had the, like Avengers had a soundtrack. Mm. I couldn't tell you a goddamn thing about da- who was on Dare- them. Dare- <laughs> uh, Daredevil had Evanescence. Daredevil, yes. had, yeah, Daredevil was huge. Which I mean, is there a superhero movie that's more associated with its non-score soundtrack than Daredevil? Well, obviously the Chad Kroger song that you just mentioned. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah. Daredevil had like fuel on there. Fuel had a song on there. Yeah, yeah. Dare, Daredevil was the all calling. about the, it was all yeah. the new the new metal for Daredevil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now having said you know having said that, I like Elliot Goldenthal's music quite a bit. I, I do too. Obviously, I, this is mostly a rehash of oh, Batman yeah. Forever score, but the Batman Forever score, including the main themes, are fantastic. It's, to me, they have always. And then I'll stop, I promise. Yeah. But they've always stood out as sort of if you're like a six-year-old kid who's playing Batman on the playground with his friends, that's the theme, you know, bum, 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 bum. Anyway. Um well, yeah, it, it, it's a daunting task to be like Danny Elfman made a iconic Batman score, do something else. And he does, yes. and it's very effective. Like I Batman has always had great score, like the 60s yeah. had the catchy theme song, good stuff, Elfman. Uh, Batman the Animated Series, Batman Shirley Forever Walker's comes work. in. Yep. Uh, Zimmer. Zimmer. Yeah. Zimmer uh, and, and, and Thomas uh, uh, Howard. Newton. No, Thomas Newton. <laughs> Siegel. Thomas. God damn it, these names. <laughs> these people. And Giacano borrowing the Imperial March a couple bars and using Z- Zimmer again with cider. <laughs> yep. Um. Batman seems to easily bring out an iconic theme. Well, I think it's part of how just adaptable the character is. James Newton Howard for with Batman Begins. Hans Zimmer and yeah. James Newton. That sounds like I knew it was a Newton in there. So, all right. Which is slightly similar to his theme from The Shadow, which makes sense since the movie is slightly similar to The Shadow. What, the, um, elf, the Elfman scores? No, no, I apologize. Batman Begins. I mean, the, elf, the Elfman scores after Batman, he does a lot of things that sound a lot like Batman for the next few movies that he does, including, including Dark yeah. Man, uh, for that matter. Oh, no, I apologize. I meant uh, James Newton Howard's Batman Begins score. No, yeah, I hear you for the shadow. I get that. Yeah, yeah I, I'm saying that um, in, in addition to oh, that, yeah, yeah, El- yeah. Elf, Elfman, Elfman repeats himself a lot after yeah, Batman. He does, you know, Burton, 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 even when it's not a Burton movie, pretty much up until, you know, Men in Black and Goodwill Hunting, where he gets his two, uh, I think, two Oscar nominations. Yeah. Uh, and then for, for like a while, they had the, they had the comedy score nomination. Yeah. And then for a while, a lot of his scores are sort of men in blackish. And now they're just like for generic action movies. You're like, yeah, hey, did that score? All right. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's still working, I guess. Got to got to feed Bridget and the kids. <laughs> it it 
blew my mind, not blew my mind, that's an exaggeration. It amused me at the time that, you know, in, in 1989, 1992, Batman, Batman Returns come out, and they're going to these dark, grim, not necessarily for kids, you know, not, you know, somewhat against the grain Batman movies with the Danny Elfman scores. And then in 2017, when they're trying to make Justice League more crowd-pleasing and kid-friendly and fun for the whole family, they appropriate the Danny Elfman music. Yeah. Um. Anyway, random observation. I, I hear you. Just watching the city getting frozen. Yeah. Another just spectacular special effects sequence. <laughs> it's neat. It's also like, it's a moment where I know I saw through the filmmaking when they repeat the same street when it gets unthawed. It's like oh, so that's oh, yeah. like so. <laughs> but like little me is thinking oh, so that's like a set. <laughs> this is like right here is like I'm watching Batman on ice <laughs> at my local arena. This is like yeah. This is this is Scott and I both know this is nowhere as good as Batman and Ice. <laughs> we we've seen we've Batman seen Batman Ice. live oh, on God. stage. Oh. I got I had to look up that review. I, I don't remember that much about you that did show. you did write about it yeah I did yeah. I took Alley and I love the fact that you know basically the tone is pretty similar to Batman Forever in terms of you know it's it's you know there are deaths but it's nothing ridiculous but you know they basically have Thomas and Martha Wayne chase after the mugger after he's already ran away because you know, he's got our wallet. He knows where we live. And understandably, that's so they can get shot off screen, quote unquote. Mm. But it's still very funny. I like this. These, these, we haven't talked about these vehicles at all. I like this thing that Batman has, like this, I guess this skiing, <laughs> this, the snow ice machine that he's able to ride on here. It just, it looks neat to me. It looks like a fun toy. <laughs> Where the Batmobile is like, oh, all right. It's- I mean, is as over the top as these costumes are, they're pretty cool. Um, and again, you know, I think it goes to what, you know, it's in a vacuum when this is one of like a dozen Batman movies, it's certainly a lot easier to appreciate this one as one of them. Very different from the others, if that makes sense. Like, um, I mean, people get so get angry about it. It's just hilarious. I'm like, it happened. It's over. It's done. Yeah, it's 25 it's years got, ago. It's like, why we got Batman Begins. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, if this film had been a little bit better or a little bit better embraced. We brought this probably would have been the tone for the next three Batman movies. I mean, we can look at it objectively as a piece of history now, rather than yeah. sense so, but, of I mean, anger. Like it's so hilarious. People. I mean, it's a, it's a weird thing to like, try to give respect to and not for me anyway, or not for, yeah. it seems like us. Cause we're logical and take more than five seconds to put a, put a, put a, put yeah. a, hate, put a hate tweet out about it. But this is essentially one of the most important superhero movies ever made. <laughs> like, yeah. is this, it, In... sets, it sets a stage for what's to come next, right? Yes. Because mm-hmm. if this is quote unquote a... bottom of the barrel or whatever you want to phrase but it. But then you have a person go, how dare you call it important? Like, well, listen, there's God. no, evo- there's no evolution without this movie. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I think the one very bad consequence is that it gave, you know, it sort of propagated the myth that the, you know, underground cult geek movie news scene could actually move the disc, no, that they could actually represent the general populace. And that's, of course, a problem that we're dealing with. The great social media illusion. Well, even today where we have like one pissy turning red review that's being taken as a trend. Mm Mm-hmm. Or it's a handful of bitchy Facebook comments. Why is this film the victim of racism? It's not. Everyone likes it. 
There's a handful of assholes that don't. Ignore them. Quit amplifying them. Yes. It's a it's a fallout from this, but at the same yeah. time, it's like if it's but if it's not this movie, it's another movie. Right. Mean, That's it, probably true. And and Phantom Menace is you know two yeah. years later, which yeah, is, and Godzilla ooh. to a certain extent. Um, I think Aaron wiped that Godzilla movie from his mind. He <laughs> it, never mentions it. He just he watched it last Godzilla night. All the time. Sure. <laughs> I I keep saying he's still not got watch, sequel ideas. I'm not going to watch it. If one of you guys suddenly sends me the 98 Godzilla 4K that exists, it's like, I'll accept it, I guess, but I'm not going to go out of my way here. Um, just, email him on the site. He'll send you his fanfic. Don't don't worry. Yeah, the John, the John Renault Chronicles. Mm-hmm. You know how bad that movie is? What's Wait, the what movie? movie? The, the Godzilla movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who plays the female lead in Godzilla? <laughs> it's uh what uh, uh oh um she's in the uh, Solaris with Clooney right? No, no, no. That's Natasha McElhorn. Yeah, McElhorn. That's not her in that. What's no. <laughs> Wait, give me time. This is my point. You I'm need sure, to look yeah, it up. So I, you have, yeah, no, I have idea no idea. Who plays the lead, the lead female character, the person that's Wait, on it's, screen is it, for like two hours in that it's movie. Not, it's not like Samantha Mathis. No, it's not Maria. No, it's Pitello. nobody that we know. Uh, Maria, exactly. A name that has never come up in that kind of capacity again. Which, again, unfortunately, she shows peaked right away. <laughs> the women right away. get screwed by this far more than the men do. But even, but even <laughs> movies like this, like Batman and Robin, where they're decidedly yeah. memorable, you remember pretty much everything about them you yeah, can't name the female true. lead of godzilla <laughs> <laughs> i can tell you hank Azaria's in there i can tell you matthew Bryan. i can tell Sean you reno heaven done i can yeah. tell you all the all the um supporting people the female lead of the movie unidentifiable <laughs> <laughs> she had a good run here she's in chaplin true romance natural born killers and uh, then Godzilla. Okay, so that's ninety-eight Godzilla. <laughs> you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> we'll be doing the commentary yeah, next month. Gr- great marketing. Realize, great marketing campaign. Yeah, I didn't realize Bane was green for the majority yeah. of this movie. Yeah, he's like a he's like pus. Like he's he's <laughs> real real green now. Yeah. That's because he's with Poison Ivy, who's also green. He's like pus yellow green. Like that's what he. Means. Nah, he was he was like plant green. Yeah, <laughs> fine. He was the goblin. Never mind. <laughs> These guys are the uh, these these two scientists are like the, the security guard at the beginning of Forever. They just threw yep. them at the end here. Because it's and, I mean it's that human thing, or it's like we need a we need a human perspective of what's going on. <laughs> so it's the random security guards, which is frankly something that I wish we'd see more of in the mm-hmm. movies of this nature. Uh, let's see, Schwarzenegger definitely not in most of that scene. Um, <laughs> Chris Chris O'Donnell never met Arnold, or never doesn't have any scene of Arnold in this movie. Wow! Um, they yeah, other, they met each other off set, obviously, but they never share any scene in this movie. It's all stunt doubles and what have you. Hmm. I lo- <laughs> this is so stupid, and I love it. The power <laughs> of the sun. Yeah, <laughs> the way that <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Literally, it's like a hand statue. Yeah, <laughs> one one of many. Hang on. <laughs> These people are still hanging on for dear life. Just so what's the planning? So they freeze all of Gotham City, murdering everybody naturally. Just Gotham, though, not Metropolis or anything else. Would that be stupid? And then Poison Ivy is going to plant over it. Pretty much. That's yeah, because things grow in ice. 
Come on. It makes sense. Science. I mean, plants do grow where it's very cold. You know, it'd just be a new glacier city, like a whole. I guess if you burn it down, that makes sense to me. That's that provides some kind of fertilizer. (laughs) Yeah. See, okay, so here's Bade. Okay, so I guess he's just there because they just ran away from him. (laughs) We're just supposed to assume that Bane lived in that. Don't know. I just assume in all this destruction that's happening, Bane probably died. <laughs> that's, that's my thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he does. Fair. I think. I so. mean, like, where's where? What? At what point is he getting out of this? <laughs> the whole the fucking telescope is blown up. Uh. <laughs> oh yeah, they all have like ice costumes now, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. That's their yeah. Nice little six slick silver on the costumes representing ice. I like how the directors always want to leave their stamp when it comes to the grappling hook. That always seems like a fun thing they want to do. <laughs> like we all have to have our own take on the grappling hook. And it's fun to think about like Burton and Schumacher. It's like, yeah, they're like nerds. You get it. But, but Nolan nerding out on this idea is like, yeah, I got to get that grappling hook shot. <laughs> <laughs> What's his open with, Scott? 43. And it topped out at 108, which back then was a shockingly bad multiplier. That's yeah, that's not great. <laughs> um again, I mean, you know, I haven't gone through you know 20 years of 80s, 70s box office mojo or whatever, but when I was a you know kid, I had never seen a second weekend drop for a big movie as big as 64%. Yeah. And I mean, I think. That wouldn't be bad if it made a bajillion dollars opening weekend like movies now tend to do when they drop off. Well, it, was, it was still the sixth biggest opening weekend of all time. And the weird thing is, you know, Batman Returns was sort of the start of what I call the quick kill blockbuster, which is where a movie opens so huge. And even though it drops hard in weekend, you know, of the next three or four weekends, it still makes some total enough money to be a shit. Uh, the like, first Bat- time- like Batman v Superman. Yeah, more or less. Yes. Yeah. Because they wanted um, they wanted to tout that what that like four hundred million worldwide opening or whatever there. Yeah. Whoops. Um, Dawn of Just Ice. Here's that scene where it's like, oh yeah, that's just a set because it's just the same. <laughs> it's the same extras yeah. again. <laughs> now they're yeah. frosted. Um, but Batman Returns opened with forty seven million opening weekend record and dropped by forty five percent, which was actually pretty big back then. And again, you had a beast in the score, forty five percent drop. You know, everybody, you know, on the media whining about how scary and violent it was. Um, yeah, that was a mainstream, you know, however stupid it might be, that was a mainstream discourse. Um, one of the few occasions, I think, where, or at least of recent years, maybe the last time where a big conversation about is this movie appropriate for kids or not actually impact, you know, made a difference because they pretend to have these conversations now and then, but. You know, everybody showed up for Jurassic Park. We showed up for the Dark Knight. <laughs> Clearly, nobody cares that the Batman is three hours long and not necessarily kid friendly, because you know people are showing up. 
Um, I think sort of Batman Returns is the exception to the rule, but even that one did 162 on a 47 million opening. So I, I also guarantee the toy sales did not budge; like they were they were high regardless of all of this. So quite possibly. Although, and the only reason I would doubt that is because I imagine if the toy sales were still high, they probably wouldn't have panicked. But I don't know. You I, might I, be right. I, I Unlike my fiance, <laughs> I had the toys. <laughs> Um, I know what you're saying. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I should look that up. It'd be a good stat to give when it comes to these kinds of movies. Yeah. Um, because I, I I know one of the reasons that Disney was a little not thrilled about the Last Jedi was that the toy sales weren't all that huge, partially because there just weren't that many new characters. And toy yeah, sales they, in they, all all things are down anyway. Oh yeah, I mean, a lot of IPs. There's the way Keep, you used to. People weren't racing out to buy Benicio del Toro as DJ. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> or you know, Snoke now with cut in half action. <laughs> I buy that in RP. This this is a good Batman scene. This I don't is think a terrific Batman scene. I don't think there's many specifically good Batman scenes in this movie, mm-hmm. but I think this yeah. one right here because he's reasoning with a villain. And Will find, you help me? Finding a way to get around the idea of either I punch you a bunch and then we're done. Uh, he's actually yeah. talking with them. It's like. And it's and Clooney's doing his thing here. Like I feel like this is a chance for Clooney to be like, oh yeah, I'm acting in this one. <laughs> so and even, and even like the reaction shots with him again, like the makeup probably like this is even worse than the other because now he has to have like lines painted on him. And so it's probably really distracting to all this. But he's like he's emoting in his in his his, his well, face right here. So I'm I, guessing he's not wearing the costume below the shoulders. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, he, he, he's Robert Downey Jr. In, he's Robert Downey yeah. Jr. in most of Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> so. I remember the theater when Arnold said to take two of these and call me. My dad cackled. Like, ah! <laughs> call me in the morning. <laughs> I remember. I, I I remember that. My dad. My dad was there. He cackled at that one. And I was like, "You blew it. You had your good scene and you blew it." And uh, Goldenthal's score is uh, doing the job as well. It's a lot of good stuff going on. I, like I the like like you were saying. I think the, this starts and ends well for me as yeah. far as what it's trying to do. Um, and as a series finale, it's poignant. Here, Alfred, take this blue glow liquid. <laughs> it's good that he had a cure for McGregor's injury just in his arm, by the way. That's yeah, really yeah. It was very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> he just carries that around. Did Robin switch to his other Robin costume? Uh, yeah. yeah. That, one suddenly, that one suddenly has nipples on it again. It war- no, it warmed up. So when it's like those mugs, when you like put hot stuff in it. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing they just shot that scene earlier before the. Oh, I get yeah. Finished. And yeah. I never yes. noticed that before or had the realization. I didn't either until just now. That could be a shot from like another deathbed scene that they like moved around in the in the editing. It's from the L. McPherson death. Yeah, here's Uma Thurman as Harley Quinn, <laughs> and they let him in his suit. Yeah, in that's Ark of Asylum. They, snu- they, they snuck him in, by the way, too, because he's already yeah. in the room. <laughs> they snuck him into the corner. Like that—that's murder. How long was he being quiet over there in the court? He's as long deep. as was necessary. Ten, he was, he was nine, giggling to himself. Eight, seven. <laughs> He's not going to see this coming. Did they put like a blue light in his mouth? I assume so. Yeah. He's he's because uh, like it was flashing. He ate too many pops. Probably like one of those glow stick days. Just... He's a robot from the world's end. <laughs> That's a specific <laughs> reference. Yes. <Very>. <laughs> <laughs> 
that cure is amazing, by the way, because he's like he's like up and juggling and making eggs or something now. Like he's just already active. They're all like, well, you think he's dead? I don't know. Well, hey. Is this th- the same way manner is forever? Probably, right? Probably. I believe so. Alfred, I, I thought you were going to pass and leave us. Never. <laughs> Palpatine? <laughs> oh, God. You know, Somehow Alfred has returned. <laughs> some men just want to watch the world freeze. <laughs> I don't think. Has there ever been another Bruce Wayne who wore a sweater? Yeah, a hoodie. A hoodie yeah. The sweater way. So odd. I mean, it fits Pattinson. He's probably got one on at some and point. He wears a t shirt here and there. Yeah, yeah he, he wears a t shirt. Keen, Keen's all about turtlenecks. And a hat. Pattinson yeah. wears he, a ball Keen's turtlenecking it up. Uh, Bale is well. He's generally shirtless. It seems around his house anyway. But <laughs> he's always doing his push-ups. Or he's Kilmer has his... a share of turtlenecks. Kilmer? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kilmer's, Kil- Kil- Kilmer's doing turtle. Yeah, Kilmer's still right riding off of Keaton. So he's got you got to do the turtlenecks. No, yeah, Pattinson is... wears a hoodie. He wears a hoodie at the very beginning of the movie. And when he's stalking Catwoman, yeah. And he just wears a long sleeve tee when he confronts Falcone. <laughs> you know who I am. <laughs> me uh, robert smith from the cure <laughs> here we go ha! we're gonna, gonna need, a, need bigger a bigger game, game. oh zing do you think these are the actual actors that's no. a that's a fun no. question <laughs> i love I think, it mainly because i don't because i think o'donnell stands out i think there's too much he has hair like that's that's what gets yeah. me <laughs> What a journey. All's well that ends well? Yeah. What does O'Donnell do? For one thing, he got married this year in 97. He has five children. Yeah. He's married a preschool teacher. He's got one of those, like, cop show... Yeah, he's been on NCIS. NCLS, I know, I know that now, but I mean, there's still a period where he's not doing that, even though that's well, vertical limit was three years later. Vertical, I know what the the Bachelor that was one of them, right? Because that was him and yeah. Zellweger trying to do a thing. Um, vertical limit, yeah. Which is that even a hit? Like, it yeah, like, it, it was like expensive, a, but it's it a movie well. we all it's a movie we all know. But I, I always forget if that. I was remember like a that hit because movie. they dropped a freaking body out of a plane and it bounced on the ground. I remember like. Yeah, image of that was like holy crap. But that's it for him. He has he has it. His IMDb is thirty six credits. That seems light. It's not a lot well, of movies. Fair, he's been doing NCIS Los Angeles since two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's what's taken up the time. Yeah, so but, and he's just been working. But if you want to ask, I, yeah, that he's a working actor. That's what he's doing. Yeah. That's that's perfectly fine. He seems to be super happy doing his thing with Ella Cool J. But I he's mean, he's in Max Payne. I did not realize that. Oh yeah, he no, he's in Max Payne because I remember he's like eighth build in Max Payne. <laughs> it was like Chris O'Donnell. All right, he did nine episodes of Grey's Anatomy. So yeah, he's been in TV a bunch. I guess he's one, he's in he's in one of two Max Payne action sequences. <laughs> there are two. <laughs> two. It's stretching it, but yes, he's in Max Payne. I believe as two action sequences and Chris, the Chris O'Donnell's in one. Wait, 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 wait. Max Payne oh, has geez. action sequences? 
Yeah, uh, you know, it's surprising. I know that a video game movie about a man who carries two guns around and shoots them in slow motion. Holy crap. That the film version would be like, you know what? What if we just didn't do that very often? What if there was uh, no action and no shooting? I apologize for being an old man here, but I'm like, I did not realize that his NCIS has been on for 13 seasons yeah. and 294 yeah. episodes. So, okay, that's where he has been. I was like, oh, it's been on for like six, seven years, right? No. It's gun smoke. It is gun smoke. Brandon, now. when it comes to CBS shows, you have to use the rule of seven. Whatever you think right. it is, it's been on seven years more. <laughs> right. <than what> <laughs> Hawaii Five O's in season like fifteen. Like it's just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> We've had so many CSIs that they have a CSI Las Vegas now. Like they're oh like when there one that was like cyber crimes or something. Is that CS? Yeah, something like that. Cyber crimes. There, I'll, I'll find it. Where's the, where's the CSI list? <laughs> it's all the CSI shows. Oh my gosh! Which might even cross over in the NCIS. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure it does. I think NCIS has a cyber crimes show. But <laughs> there's too many. Oh my god, there's so many. And Criminal Minds ran for 14 years, and they're trying to bring it back again for Paramount Plus. NCIS Hawaii, NCIS Sydney, NCIS New Orleans. 240 NCIS. episodes of Hawaii Five O. That can't be. Right. <laughs> I told you it's, it's insane. That's I remember insane. I was at I was at Comic Con for the first because there was something after it, so I'd be in that one so I can get to the other room. I was in there for the first Hawaii, but when it was had its first panel, <laughs> it's like and it's been on ever since then. Has it's, the new MacGyver surpassed the old one in the amount of seasons? Uh, I no, I don't think it made it past. No, I think they only because it was oh, okay. it was canceled. Oh, all right. I mean, um, you say this, I don't even believe you yet. Hold on. What, <laughs> hey, if I'm wrong, so be it. But I it, was think on, it, was, it got, it got it, 2021. So it yeah. just left. Me oh, OK. After after 2016. So it was on for five years. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, had did they, they had Jag, right? That was on CBS that ran for the, Jag ran yeah, for like, yeah. like, like 16,000 well, years. Two separate NCIS, centuries, right? NCIS is the spinoff from Jag. If I'm yeah. yeah. OK. Because Jag started in like what nineteen thirty or nineteen forty eight. That is when Jag started. Yeah, this when Jag started. It was right after the war. <laughs> just let they just started it up. Jag was around nineteen ninety four, and the funny thing about Jag was at the time everybody made fun of the pilot because it was very obviously appropriating footage from Clear and Present Danger. <laughs> you know the vehicle the ambush mm-hmm. sequence. C- CSI. CSI Miami, CSI New York, CSI then, Cyber, CSI Vegas. Uh, but Jag quickly became the, hey, did you know this has been on for like 12 years? Like, what? Who watches it's, Jag? It oh, on I know. Got canceled on NBC and went to CBS, became one of their flagships. Brandon, the, the thing that you're not realizing is you're getting closer and closer to the age when people start watching CBS all the time. I know. It's, it's starting to become a like, maybe it'd be just easier to watch a CBS show. Now not Terry, not not Terry tonight. We're still young. One of the rudest things that you can say to somebody. <laughs> Death comes for you too. I haven't huh. watched this show in three weeks. I could just pop in now, probably. I don't think I've ever yeah. got to the. I don't think I've ever got to the end of Batman and Robin. And a fun like oh. animation of the title at the end there. Yeah, that was, that was something. Oh. Um. Any other final, fi- you know, let's do this real quick since we nineteen finished- seasons for NCI or Navy NCIS. 19. Yeah. Jesus. And climbing. <laughs> Take that, SVU. Anyway, sorry, before, I interrupt before, you. Before we wrap this up, because the movie has now ended, we should go, What? What? how do you rank the 
the, this 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 uh this era of Batman movies, Terrence, you, you you tease this early on. Where where do you where do you sit with this? Oh gosh, um, I think Returns is number one. If we're if we're talking about like that whole the sort of the nineties, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, because Michelle Pfeiffer is amazing, and she made that movie. Um, and I actually would put this one number two. Okay. Um, Forever is my least favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Batman would be number th- and the Batman would be number three. I just I appreciated this. I appreciate this movie so much just for sheer ridiculousness. Fair. Like to me, there's n- never it does lag in the middle, but there's still not as a whole, it's not not entertaining. And so I appreciate it for that. So many quotable lines. Um, and it's very silly. So yeah, I think that's how I would rank these. <laughs> Scott, how about you? Uh, boring rating, but Batman Returns, then Batman, then Batman Forever, then Batman and Robin. This is technically my least favorite of that era, although, again, I don't hate it. It's just I like the other ones more. Same. I don't have anything to disagree with there. Brandon? Hey. No, I'm 89, Returns, Forever, but like the first two are so high up there, and 89 is not that far ahead of returns and forever is one that I, I like, I loved a lot upon its release, then kind of went eh, on it and then back kind of like, I realized I needed to stop thinking I was too cool for it and just enjoy what it was. Um, a roller, real roller coaster ride for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I've always enjoyed aspects of Batman and Robin. It's not a movie like I hate. It's not great, but there are aspects of it. And if, go through one two three you can easily pop this one in and cap it off there's a lot of movie in that movie mm-hmm. i mean that's <laughs> how it stands and you know looking at things like just the other day watching the adam project where it's like there's Not no movie. movie there's there's no movie in this movie it's just it's a, it's an algorithm come to life it's space human new legacy happening in front of us um Okay, well, we talked about Batman and Robin. The movie has ended now, and that's going to bring us to the end of this commentary track. So before we go, where can people find more of your guys' work online? Uh, Terrence, let's we'll start with you. You can find me at lenoirautour.net, L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R.net, and then at Terrence B. Johnson on Twitter and Instagram. Brandon Peters. Uh, the Brandon Peters Show.com, so our, and anywhere podcasts are found for my podcast show uh my youtube channel and then uh wiseofblue.com of course for my written reviews which i have one up for the godfather 4k set which is awesome you should check out my review and buy yourself a set and uh on twitter and instagram at brandon 4k uhd are those godfather moves any good i've heard good things they're all right they're all right <laughs> not bad not bad not bad scott Mendelson, where we will find more of you uh forbes.com uh, please Google some variation of Scott Mendelson, the ticket booths Forbes. I'm on Twitter at, at Scott Mendelson, and that's basically it. You can find everything I do over my personal blog, the code Everything I do ends up over there. I write for League of Entertainment for movie reviews, Why So Blue for Blu-ray and Criterion reviews. I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. You can find this podcast everywhere you can find podcasts, but feel free to leave us an iTunes review or rating. Um, yeah, let's see. Mart, April's next commentaries come up with some ideas what's coming out what we got here we got a harry potter we already did a harry potter <laughs> <laughs> um 
Fantastic Beast, Song of a Hedgehog 2, Morbius. Oh, um, Morbius. We can do another vampire movie. That would Terrence, you can jump right back in. We can do another vampire movie. <laughs> we have we'll come up with some ideas. But yeah, there's the two thousand apparently. We can, yeah, we can talk we can talk to a lot of Gerard Butler. That'd be that'd be something. Um and Vitamin sure C, remember her? She's in that movie. <laughs> there's as we go on. We remember. There's, uh, I'm sure there's plenty of movies celebrating their 25th anniversary as well that we can figure out, but and let alone other anniversaries, but just 97 seems like a big year. Um, I, I mean, my gross point blank came out in April 97, but uh, regardless, um, tons of options. So we'll be back next month with another commentary track, but that is going to do it. I'd like to thank Brandon, Scott, and Terrence for joining me for this Batman and Robbie commentary. Thank you. It's been a great 10 years. It's been great to chill out with you guys. Boo. Boo. I don't appreciate that cold reception, Scott. <laughs> but yes, thank in spite of that joke, thank you all for coming on this week for the commentary. Um look forward to doing another one. Until next time, so long and goodbye. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a creative zombie studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. <laughs>